Alex, we've been doing this show for a while now, and yes. we've had advertisers, of course, all 100%. across our all across our show. Uh-huh. But we have yet to have the thing we all came from, a video game sponsorship. And oh, guess yeah. what? And guess what? Uh-huh. That changes right now, Alex. Oh, yeah. Right this very minute. Well, right this very minute. Look, I'm only going to say yes to this. <laughs> If it is a one-to-one recreation of the Chernobyl exclusion zone made for three from 3D terrain scans of the real CEZ, including foliage and architecture. That's the that's only hy- condition I have. That's a hyper-specific condition, but one I can actually meet. Because today we're being sponsored by Chernoblite. I've actually played this game when it launched on PC almost uh, six months to like a year ago at this point and poured a ton of time into it. And guess what, Alex? I know you're a console boy. And on April 21st, this is coming out to the PS5, Xbox Series X and S. And if you already own it on the PC, PC players are going to get access to the season one Blue Flame DLC the very same day. Okay, well, I only have two conditions if I buy it on PS5, which I have a (laughs) PS5. So that's exciting news to me. Number one, I need some kind of support for the DualSense controller. If there's support for the DualSense controller, maybe or and maybe and maybe some activity card features. I don't know. That would be great. But also it has to be I have a really I have a story in mind that I've always wanted to do. And it's about an ex nuclear reactor employee named Igor who's searching for his missing wife. And then he gets like a heist crew together to like get in there and find find her and there's like other like he finds more than he bargained for kind of deal you know what i mean again you have such specific taste but i'm here to serve you alex i can give you both of those and with the cherry on top i can give you ray tracing support no new graphic options including a dynamic 4k resolution with 30 fps or a smooth 60 fps at 1080p i love when they do that isn't it amazing uh more before we wrap this uh, this little sponsorship up as well i got something for the viewers they're giving away a collector's edition of this game to one of our one of our listeners. All you got to do oh, yeah? is just go to go over to our Twitter, twitter.com slash pod and just tweet us out about uh, about Chernoblight with hashtag Chernoblight. And within 24 hours of this episode going up, one lucky winner is going to get pulled and you're going to get a huge. It comes with a gas mask, like an ammo box. It's crazy looking. This is the one time that I wish that I wasn't on the show because, damn, that's like <laughs> the exact game that I was looking for. It's real good. Uh, It's a great management survival first person shooter with a lot of RPG elements. Like I said, I put like 20 hours into this game six months ago. Like bits aside, I have seen this game. This game looks dope. I would I would play this game even if they weren't paying us to talk about it. I I think it's it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's sick. Thank you, guys. (laughs) Uh, Thank you over at Turtle Play for sponsoring this episode. And everybody go over to Twitter.com slash Illuminati pod and let us know. If you want that giveaway and go check out Chernobyl on Steam, PS5, Xbox Series X and S. It's all yours to have. Thank you guys so much. And thank you again, Chernobyl. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Just going to cut it there. Yeah. Hello, everybody. And welcome back to the Chiluminati podcast. Episode 150. As always, I am one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by the Kirk and Spock of L.A., Jesse and Alex. OK, uh, you can react to that live in a minute because there's somebody <laughs> much more important here than you are. Also joining us today for the special episode 150, none other than Pat Contry, host, writer, and director of shows like Pat the NES Punk, Flea Market Madness, The Video Game Years, Not So Common, The Completely Unnecessary Podcast, and the writer and publisher of a certain Ultimate Nintendo Guidebook or two, which you might have in your coffee table right now, depending on how much you love classic Nintendo, or I guess in television, Amico. Pat, welcome to the show. That, that was arguably the best intro anyone's ever given me. 
And I'm taking full I, credit for it. I Thank do, you. I do not appreciate that much love. Uh, <laughs> I will not point out you missed out on a few of my accolades, but that's okay. okay I'm not taking credit for it anymore. <laughs> Alex wrote it. <laughs> yeah, it. Okay. I gave him just the hits, Pat. I just gave him the hits. That's uh, oh God. If, 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 can that, that can't all fit on my tombstone. I think all that if I if I pass yeah. away tomorrow. If you're rich enough, I, I guess so. If I got a mausoleum, I'd be good. Uh, I give you that Sean Evans treatment. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, we are here today on the Shilmanati Pod. Pot, uh, Pat, welcome to this zone. Pot, also welcome to the zone. But Pat, also oh, very welcome. welcome. Uh, <laughs> how you doing, man? Uh, I'm fantastic. I did not know this was the heralded 150th. I feel pressure to outperform my, my low standards. I'll be honest. Uh, I had no idea either. I found that out about five minutes ago. <laughs> That's how much we paid attention. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing when you get to a number like that? We just passed the 300 uh, CU podcast like about uh, 12 weeks ago or so. Um, yeah. And and I would never would have thought when we started the podcast uh, almost nine years ago that it would still be going. It's it's strange. It always lands for me like on a weird one when I'm when somebody's like, yo, episode 106. And you're like, damn, why not? We're like <laughs> after 100. What the hell? Like, how do we do yeah. that? Yeah. yeah, it's it's always wild. I, I can't believe we've made it this far, too. But I'm so happy we're here. Yeah, feels good. Alex, um, I mean, uh, Jesse's baffled. That's all. That's I'm, all how he I, feels about the what? whole thing. I'm still thinking about who is Spock and who is Kirk. <laughs> yeah. It's worrying I, to me because I'm not I, sure I, which I, one. I'm a red shirt then? Does that make me just kill yeah, me you're off? A, no, yeah, you're a red shirt. Okay. That's yeah, fine. But <laughs> even though Mathis is literally wearing a red shirt right now. Yeah. And also, who are, you, who are you on the crew, Mathis, in your own brain? In, uh, I'll be Sulu. Okay. All, all right. right. All right. Yeah. Okay. I try to navigate us. Maybe you know you're I mean? like the ambassador, Pat. Like maybe you're like the, like that episode, uh, like go. the guy that rolls in and is like, we the on our planet, uh, on our planet, uh, we eat a flower every time that it's time to decide the new president. And then you have to go. <laughs> no, yeah. You're like no, the guest. No. Yeah. I'm the, Rom, like, I'm the Romulan ambassador on, on Deep Space Nine that gets killed off by <laughs> oh, Cisco. Yeah, That's pretty bad. I'm, I'm glad you went Deep Space Nine because I was like, uh, what, which, which part of the lore are we in right now? I, I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's fine. We're flying all over not the place. Enough, yeah. Not enough love for, uh, for Deep Space Nine. Not enough love for that. I love Deep uh, Space I believe Nine. You'll find, I, I believe you'll find that the Super Beard Bros are currently knee deep into our Let's Play of uh, Deep Space Nine Super Nintendo. Uh, I'm so sorry. Which people literally are having to pay us to play. Why do you uh, think I brought it up? I knew yeah. that was happening. Obviously. There you go. Bing, bing, bing. Yeah. That game's terrible. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, so before we get into the topic that I prepared for you this week, something which I chose because I wanted for you to be able to experience this thing for yourself. If you so chose Pat in the future, I want, I wanted to, before we get into that, I wanted to ask you the question that we always ask our guests, which is where do you stand on the paranormal? Are you a believer like Mathis is? Are you a skeptic like Jesse is? Or are you just along for the ride like me? I think that's that's such a broad question because the paranormal can encapsulate so many things. It can encapsulate exactly. um, cryptids, you know, the animals like Bigfoot. It can encapsulate um, ghosts in the afterlife. Uh, it can encapsulate psychic powers. It can, uh, you know, aliens and otherworldly creatures. And, and so I, I don't think you can just say, oh, paranormal. Yes or no, uh, to be honest, um, be, because there was one point in time that, for example, uh, the panda was, was considered a monster. It wasn't discovered till the late 1800s, for example. And honestly, they kind of are monsters. They won't even fuck each other. 
Oh, like, okay. That's this sort of podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but we go we go blue on here. I know okay, all yeah, our yeah, branding yeah. is know. green, but we go blue. I don't know. Thanks for being I, here. Yeah, yeah, this, so this, is, this, is, this is not good for my brand anymore. I don't want to be associated no, I'm so with this. I disavow I'm gonna tweet out right now. I disavow any appearance on Fluminati podcast. No. Um uh, I grew up in a house. I don't know how many how much time you got, but I grew up in a Lots. house that that had ghosts. And I don't Love say this. that I don't say that lightly. And we can go through all the stories if you want. But I'm, I'm here from, to hear anything you are willing to tell us. But from consistently from the ages, I, I will say of four, my, my age of four until I was 24, five and moved out. I experienced things in my house and everyone else in my family did. Even my father, who was a uh, avowed skeptic of the things that we saw, even eventually admitted seeing and, and feeling things. If you had to like slap a number on it, like what are we talking about? How many experiences between all of us in the house? I'd yeah. say eight to 10 at least. Wow. Okay. Cool. So it, it wasn't the sort of thing where you can say the argument I always hear of is like, well, you know, you get gas leaks and maybe you hallucinate and you see things. And I'd be like, yeah, that would make sense if it all happened within like a week or two. And there was like a gas week. But these were things that happened over decades. Uh, every so often, not they weren't like all in a pattern in, in like a, a, a group. They happened like every year or two and everyone saw them. Who's texting me? Be quiet. Phone. Um, <laughs> so and these were all things that happened in one corner of the house, which happened to be, we'll just say the, the northwest corner, which happened to be where my room was and the rec room near the furnace right next to it. That's where a lot of the things happened, unfortunately. So in my in my, in my room, um, it was always felt uneasy. Well, wait, put real, us there. I, what kind of room are we talking about? What's, the, what's bedroom. the Yeah, but like, what do we, what's, what kind of house you have? What's the vibe? It's, it's one of those split level houses that were, you know, constructed after, you know, after World War II. Like they, okay. these were all built in like probably. So it's got some history, but not like hundreds of years of history. Oh, no, no, no. And New Jersey is very old, obviously. New Jersey yeah. has, has the privilege of being obviously one of the 13 uh, colonies. So it's hundreds, it's th- three to 400 years old. So you're going to have a lot of old stuff. So Something this, resembling some actual culture. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So there is, for example, a cemetery 200 yards away that's old. That's at least 200 years old, at least uh, 250 years old, maybe um, where where our neighborhood's built on. It used to be farmland 100 years ago. We know that. So there were there were people living there over 100 years ago. So you take that all into account. So there is some history. All the elements not, of the stew. Maybe not together. necessarily in the house itself, but in the general vicinity, there is enough going on. So about my room, though, as I grew older, um, it felt more and more uneasy. My room at night, I couldn't fall asleep. And I'm talking when I'm 10, nine years old. This is pre X-Files, by the way. And so the older the- you get, the creepier it feels, yeah, which is I like th- the opposite of usually how it goes. Yes, I think there's something to be said for people getting in tune with their their feelings and ESP potentially. Uh, there, there's like a, to some people a correlation between uh, you know sort of psychic ability and being able to feel ghosts, if that makes sense. Yeah. So as I grew older, it, it became more and more uneasy for me to be in my room, even the rec room, which was adjacent, uh, south of my room. Uh, and as I got into like my early teens, like 12, 13, I didn't I always felt uneasy being alone at night. Even when I'm 14, 15, 16 years old, when I'm home from college, when I'm 18, 19, like rational mind already there, you're still afraid of it. It still has a bad vibe. Not afraid, but uneasy. It's always yeah. literally the feeling I'm not alone. I am not alone here right now. And my sister always had the weird feeling as well. We always had that weird feeling uh going uh, in tangent. We never explained it to each other though. So the only the only shower in the house 
um, is the room over to me to the west of my house. If you look at the it's, if you look at the top right corner, that's my room. There's a little hallway. Then there's the bathroom and basically the top center of the house. My sister was upstairs. She come down the stairs and you have one of two directions to go to the to in order to enter the bathroom, enter past my room or enter past my parents room on the west west side. She never, ever, ever would leave the bathroom and go past my room. Something told her never to walk past my room towards that way. It's an unconscious sort of just a, intuition. Just a weird, yeah. a weird feeling. And then when I got older, she told me a story. This is the first sort of ghost story that in the chronology. When I was about three or four, she says, so that means my sister's four years older. She's about seven or eight. We'll just say eight years old. About. She walked past my room and she saw my mom. Uh, sort of like tending me like I was having a bad dream, like, oh, you know, like I was waking up and said, oh, it's OK. It's OK. She walks past my room to the rec room. There's my mom sitting on the couch there. She turned back and whatever woman she thought was my mom was not there. anymore. Whoa, that's that nukes top five right there. That's that good stuff. <laughs> and my sister's not the type of person to make these things up. She's not. Um, so that was like the first in the chronology. Um, that story is linked to something that happened to me. Um, it happened. I know that around the date is because it kind of happened when Superman died, which was what, late 92 ish yep. around there. That's, That's exactly fall. right. Yeah. Um, and when he comes back with his guns slamming, dude, <laughs> uh, the guns wasn't until like next year Yeah, year oh. <laughs> with the long hair. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so when I was 12, this happened. I remember this being a Sunday morning because I remember I had trouble the next, the whole f- next week. Uh, but the next day I had a sh- shovel, uh, shovel. I had a rake leaves in good old Jersey. So it was about, um, I want to say five in the morning. Um, something startled me in my sleep. So my mom used to get up around five in the morning to, to feed, to feed the cat or cat cuddles. Cats, the cat would meow. And so my mom would get up and tend to tend to the cat and then usually tuck me back in, even though I'm an older, you know, mom, mom, baby, their, their sons. Yeah. So my mom, it would be typical for my mom to tuck me back in and go, Oh, you know, like rearrange the blanket and then go on her way around five, five thirty in the morning. So I was woken up from a dream or something. I was definitely fast asleep. Now keep in mind, I had bad vision at this point. I did. I was uh, short sighted. I needed glasses to see. So I'm turned over on my right side. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I feel someone, sort of like touching the sheets next to me, other side and that blanket. And I turned over to my other side, to my left side and, and go, mom, is that you thinking it was going to be my mom? And in my blurred vision, there was a white image of something. Oh, just a white. It was a white image, a head and like a body. And I froze and then threw the covers over my head. The first thing I thought was, oh, my God, that's like an alien because I was following alien abduction stuff. Right. And I threw the covers over my head. My and man was was terrified, petrified to leave my bed for like three hours from like five to like eight in the morning. I would not. Oh, yeah, I would be, too. I was I mean, petrified to death. Um, And then looking back years later, I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I'm ever going to say ever. Oh, it made more rational sense that it was a ghost versus an alien in my room. But like, <laughs> but being that sometimes you got to make that call, man. <laughs> but, but, the, but the combination of my sister's story, the fact that it always felt weird around my room. Um, That's what I was going to say. Which one came first? Did you already know about the, the figure over you? But when you no, my sister had not my sister had not told me it by that point. But it maybe it already happened, but you didn't know about it. Yeah, she oh, it had happened when I was she said like three or four. Right. So 
piggybacking on stuff that happened around my room, trying to go in order because there's like two or three more things. I was I remember I was playing either Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball or Street Fighter 2 on Super Nintendo. In my room, I had my CRT monitor, which, I, which still exists, which was from an IBM XT, XT 1985. And I was playing a Super Nintendo game. My door was fully closed. My sister opens up my door. And I'm like, at this point, like 14 years old. Opens up my door. Patrick, did you just walk into your room? And I'm like, uh, no, I've been playing like whatever, Ken Griffey Jr. or Stanley yeah. Cup Hoppy. Or she said, I just saw someone walk into your room. Like that. Like that's just the weirdest like that. shit ever. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> like, not me, not me. Um, so that was another story. Fast forward. I'm in college now. I'm home from college. I believe it must be a summer. I'm probably about 21. We'll just say. And there's things that happen in between, but these are my highlights, not the stuff my, the other people saw besides my sister. Right, story. right, right. I'm 21 years old. Uh, I'm at the kitchen table. We have a, a galley kitchen, which is like a hallway kitchen, basically to the right where I'm sitting. And past the galley kitchen is, we'll just say, the northwest corner of the house with the rec room, with the furnace, and then my room. And I was eating a sandwich, and this wasn't a corner of your eye thing. I remember being turned, looking down the galley kitchen, and I see this white boot, just the boot, just a white boot, take a full step from in front of the furnace it, towards the rec room out of my vision. It took a full step, plain like, as day. You were staring at it. And For some reason, that. something told me to look in that direction, but it wasn't corner of the eye stuff. It was yeah. literally looking that direction. And I saw a natural stepping motion of this white boot and talking to my mom about that. She said, oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've Just seen like that. that. See, that's I, cool, though, that you can have um, somebody that can verify the shit that you've seen. But then my mom said something. I remember the fact to the effect of, oh, yeah, I've seen that, but I've seen like more of it. I've seen the form oh. of like like a person. She, she described it as a man who probably could have existed in the early 1900s. But she said, that's oh, yeah, I've seen the boot attached to something like a before. dapper gentleman, <laughs> like an know. ice cream shop soda jerk man. I don't Hello, know Dolly? what sort of short boots were yeah. worn in the early 1900s. <laughs> I wasn't Yonkers around. Vibes. Yeah. Do you? I'm going to ask some questions now. I got uh, more, but you go first. I got another. No, yeah, well, you go. yeah, well, you go then. I, I want to hear more because maybe you'll answer the questions I had. Okay, so, so, so that between that, and my mom seeing she's seen that thing. I'm like, okay, that's one of those the same. We've seen the same thing, but that may not be the person or woman, the woman that my that my sister saw. That was like my guardian angel sort of thing. That's how my sister kind of described it. Which not a scary been, thing, yeah. Which could have been the same thing I saw when I was. 12 years old, that could have been the same thing. This boot thing could have been something totally different. The fact of those that you have all these things happening. Um, I went, I bought my, I, I came back from vacation. This is another good story. Um, I went to the Mayan Riviera and bought one of those Mayan sun calendars. Um, okay. God, I, this was, I, I have, was I have one of those too. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. The world, the world didn't end, so it's useless, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, now it's a collector's like item. What did what those mines know? <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> So um, I bought that when I was 27 and brought it home. This was after I moved, I moved out when I was 26. Um, so I, I brought it home. My mom put it on the shelf. It has one of those wire, those heavy metal backings where it's like shaped like a half U. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it was a nail on there. One day my mom finds it off the nail against the wall, but not flipped down. It's standing against the wall. The nail is still still in the wall. So there's just no way it could have like if it fell, yeah. the nail would have felt fallen out. Right. Mm. The, 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 uh, the calendar would have been flipped down. Those are heavy, Jesse. You know, th those things weigh like 10, yeah. 15 pounds. Yeah. They're stone. So the only way it could have happened, unless my mom's lying, someone lifted it up, 
pulled it out, and then placed it near the ground against the wall. Pretty That's compelling. That's the only explanation. Yeah, pretty creepy um, stuff. We had other stuff happen. My mom said where like glasses fell. I think that only happened a couple of times where like you'd be in the other room and a glass fell off the counter in the kitchen. Um, I, I was never around for that. My mom said that, and I believe her. Um, then the, the last thing that happened, this was literally, it's like it's like it's a going away party for the ghost or ghosts. Um, so this would be 26. I'm packing up my clothes. I'm moving into my little garden apartment. So I'm in my room. Still feel weird in my room, but this is during the day now. This is during the day, not at night. It's pure light outside. Um, I'm in my closet. My door is open to my room. I'm just like packing things up. Something told me, this is again about looking to the side. Something told me to look outside my room and look down the hallway past where the bathroom is. We're still in the north edge just of the house. felt like some sort of yeah. like urge. Hey, yeah. Pat, you're, you're, you're folding up a jogging suit your, your aunt gave you when you were eight that you never wore. Um, why don't you look outside your room? And I did that and I saw a black form. It, like it was as if like you were four years old and you drew a person, but didn't know how to draw like hands and feet, but you knew how to draw like a square and a square for a head. That's what it looked like, like a shadow form. And it was about, I want to like say Slenderman. It was yeah. about seven feet tall. It was about where the hamper is. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. When I saw it, it knew I saw it because it, it, it got caught. It did a jerk. It, it, it did like a, like a jerk. It oh, jerked and God. then it shot away. Like the, the, the form shot away. Like you the, like gave it like a little start. I gave it a, yeah. I startled this thing. Yeah. I startled it. Like it didn't expect me to be there at that point well, in time. Yeah. And then it, <laughs> then it shot down the hallway uh, out of my view, the, the part of the hallway where I couldn't see past my parents' room. And then, so I walked past it and I wasn't even scared. I'm just like, oh, I just saw a ghost. I mean, what, what are you going to do? You said the and shining. I walked, and I walked, yeah. I walked into the living room and I said, my mom was there. I said, mom, did you just see something there? She said, no, I didn't see anything. So okay, I just saw a ghost. It wasn't a reflection from a car outside. It was a full, it was a form of something. Yeah. And, and so I, I jokingly said to my parents when they sold the house about five, six years ago, did you tell the, the people moving in that it might be haunted? They said, no, we didn't say that. And I was like, well, I would love to like catch up with them somehow. I know that's like creepy now to do that, but like it'd be cool for them to be like, yo, we saw this foot go up these steps. And I know this is I know, I know this is like a placebo sort of thing or this isn't scientific, but I never have felt the way I felt in my house when I lived in my garden apartment, when I moved out to San Diego and got, got my condo, when I moved to my house, never felt that way again. And even when I was still in Jersey and would visit and come back, or when I when I uh, came back a couple of times when I was in San Diego for Christmas, you'd feel that weird way again when you were alone in that you just didn't want to be alone. That's all I can say. You just don't want to be alone. And not that someone's going to attack yeah. you, but you just feel weird. Yeah, I, I have a similar thing where like there was like one infamous dinner where my whole family like admitted to each other where we saw that we saw all the same ghost in the same house. Uh, you know, the, mm -hmm. there's something like my grandmother's house, like my family home. It's like real creepy. It's real. Like sometimes you go down in the basement and there's like you. It makes you look a certain direction. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Places that you just feel are like the wrong place to be. Yeah, yes. I know that vibe. Yeah. And I don't think everyone can feel that. I think you have to be in tune to it. I think I think you have to be open to it. I think it's a certain type of either personality or mind. <laughs> because like I said, my father for years and years was like, no, nah, you guys are crazy. And one day it's like, oh, okay, I might have seen something. So like either he was not turned on to it. It was like he was like 
tuned out to that wavelength, so to speak, but or eventually he just overcame his skepticism and said, okay, I saw something too. Did you ever do like a, a history look? You know what I mean? No, I think we were the second family to live in that house because they would have moved in like when I was like one or two, like 81, 82. And then they were the second owners from the first people that probably got it when it was constructed or whatever. Like, let's just say mid to late fifties. That's yeah. probably what happened. I'd love to go back like 300 years and see what was, was cracking on, on that spot. I would love to see. Well, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. Walking so, up the stairs. You know what I mean? I was going to like, one of the questions I was going to ask was like, did it ever react to your presence? But your very last story like gave that answer is just like, did it ever well, seem aware of you? Well, yeah. Like, well, definitely, I guess whatever was hovering over my bed, that, uh, whatever, yeah, that, that seems- whatever that woman was, I think like was like sentient enough that we interacted, I guess. Now I'm trying to figure out how many more times she might've been hovering over my bed. Here's here's like, here's like an esoteric question. This is like, you know, you got to follow me on this question a little bit, but like, I know some people talk about, like, I always watch like people talking about hauntings, like people who work at like a museum that's old or something like that. And they always like say like, I get that. I know when it's this person, I know when it's this ghost, like, do you feel that the the stairs or the hallway or the person over you are related in any way? Do they have a similar vibe to them? You know what Was I mean? that a question to me? Yeah. Do I feel like they're related? Like, do you feel like, oh, like these were all the same type of creature, the, the same type of encounter? Like, do they no. give you the same feeling? No, just because, like, like, like I said, I think the woman was one thing. Whatever the man with the boot was another thing. And whatever form I saw was something else. Like, would you go so far as to label them as things like for like like ghost angel demon type labels? No, I don't go that far. I don't pretend to know like 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 I go as far as saying it's some sort of energy that's that's still around that's hovering around. And and I think when you talk to ghost experts, there's like different types. There's like um, what's the one type? It's like a video that repeats in a a, residual haunting, residual haunting. So to me, like the boot thing could have been residual, especially since your mom like saw it the same. Yeah. Yeah. She said, she said, oh, I saw the boot. She said, like, I just saw the I saw the boot. And I'm like, oh, so you saw the same thing? The boot. We call it the boot now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I like like an echo. So there's that thing. There's there's the the the, maybe maybe was a past relative hovering over me. It made my great grandmother. Because I think at the time my grandmothers were my one grandmother was still alive and the other one didn't die till twenty years later, um, and then there's that form I saw that was something else entirely. So maybe so maybe it was like one of those things where like a I don't know energy vortex that was around my house in that corner of the house where I happened to try to what sleep about, at what night. What about like uh, human or not human? Oh, it, I think it had to be human. The the one that saw you. Yes. It felt like th- a, like a human presence. What else gets startled like that? Like, well, I, mean, to, I don't know, uh, like a freaking, you know, like some cultures believe in like some type of spirits or like, you know, little. Well, I guess I guess you anthropomorphize like almost by default things that you have uh, encountered in your life. Right. Yeah. Um, so but it didn't have wanna, like a creaturely vibe to it. It had the general form of a human. Yeah. Okay. The general form. Vibes. As in like. Yeah. Like a, like a, like a T like a elementary school drawing of a person. Yeah. Yes. I got you. Yeah. But all, but all like a shadow form. So, yeah. So it's like, if uh, maybe there's something out there that's like a, like a realm guardian that yeah. I caught. I <laughs> Dude, don't know. That's, that's Mathis's favorite theory is like being like, what if it's another dimension? 
you know well yeah i mean that's that well that, i go into that's more aliens for me but anything any, like but yeah, like who's to well, say that's fun, not an alien encounter there's that in fun that theory case. too is like uh you know is i mean scientifically kind of hard to make happen but maybe they're not ghosts maybe it's just a weird slip in the time where you're just interacting with other people that far back in time and they're just as scared thinking that Maybe they're seeing something really fucking like the weird computer. for a brief yeah, moment. Like the time traveling computer messages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they like, yeah, wait, literally. Like yeah. A what? Um, that's a wait, that's a that's a whole, whole topic. That's we a did. whole gloss over oh, time no. traveling computer oh, messages. No. There was just this, the was just this no, great no. story about this this house, and they had this computer, and they were like communicating with somebody from like the 1600s or something like that through this computer. Uh, Jesse, should system. I should I not bring this up? Is this going down a wormhole again? <laughs> that you don't want no, to bring just up? It's a, a fascinating story that ends insanely, but like. <laughs> It's just, it's, oh yeah, it is a whole other I go through a lot of trouble to episode. find these weird stories. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But who knows? Who knows? That's kind of my so, vibe. Who knows? So let me ask you, Alex, what, what drew you to, to wanting to learn about paranormal things? Was it because you experienced the things when you were a child or something else? Uh, I think it's cool more than anything. Like it's I'm, cool. I'm like a, I'm like a big student of like, I'm like a, you know, I went to school for like seven or eight years as completely as an English major, English student. And I love like breaking down cultural mythology and like i love like anthropology and i just love the idea of like what we're experiencing that's not the norm it just Anth- it's, in- it's interesting to me anthro was one of my majors yeah there oh. you go see and wow. i i feel like i feel like it, it's it's a common thing that people have is like this sort of there's like a tingly feeling that you get when you think about like aliens and uh ghosts and all that kind of weird stuff weird teleportation Philadelphia experiment type stuff, all the weird <laughs> forbidden stuff that you want to think about at 2 AM when you've had a couple joints and a McDonald's burger, you know what I mean? Like just that type of stuff has a feeling to it. That's very exciting. Especially if you're an American person, I think there's like a sort of connection to our culture of like paranoia and uh, just like the idea that the government knows about all this stuff that we don't know about and, and you know, just that there's more to reality than we, than we are told there is. You, you think the government knows about ghosts or just talking about it? Like I, aliens? I, I, it's just a general, just a general sense. You know what I mean? It's just a aliens general sense. For me. So I'm not the trying X, to go. So the X-Files must be your favorite show of all time then. Like I'm, the most- it's, I think it's one of the best TV shows ever made. I think it's like oh. super good, but I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just love, like, I think really what it was, if I'm, if I'm going to try and like pin it to like one experience, it was that my grandma was like a big reader's digest buyer. And she'd buy these like books that were like the kooky experiences of the insane and twisted. And it would have like 1000, like little, like encyclopedia sized articles about stuff. And I would just uh-huh. read it cover to cover. Like I used to live with my grandma. I would read that shit cover to cover. I'd read Tom Clancy's net force. And then like a fucking paranormal <laughs> book from the seventies. So, th- so did you subscribe to time life's mysteries of the unknown, that famous series of books? I, I never, I, I never subscribe, but like I used to go shopping at the, uh, uh, Goodwill all the time. And anytime I could get anything like that, I would grab it or like some, one of those like travel books, like from the, that you buy like the train station. That's like all got the same design for like every city in America. That's like ghosts of Houston, you know, like all those yeah. things. I love those. I buy them well, everywhere that I go. Well, you can buy the entire Time Life Mysteries of the Unknown uh, on eBay. It looks like for $100. Dude, um, I, that has that's a- not bad. <laughs> yeah. That's not bad. All 14 hardcover books. Yeah. That, that includes. Or excuse me, there's 24 of them. Do you want me to run down the topics? <laughs> there's, there's a lot in here. I just love stuff that feels... Uh, 
a little bit like a relic. I love stuff that feels like uh primary sourcey. I just love that. Like uh my brother got me a bunch of those like 60s uh UFO magazines that they like were like independently printed in like very small like newsletters. You mean like, like local like, ones, like staples. Wow. Yeah. And I, I, they're like in perfect condition from like 1968 and they're just so fun to just like flip, flip through. through. And I just read like a big long article. That's like real chunky every once in a while. I should do an episode on them. Actually. Do you know, do you know there used to be, you know, uh, uh the, the guy from, um, uh, ancient aliens, uh, Giorgio Petalucas, whatever his name is, with the big hair. That guy, yeah. He, he used to run in California. Not a good name. UFO Con. That was the name. Con. The and big it used UFO to be, Con in California. Yep, <laughs> every year. They used to have it, I guess, before the pandemic. So I was wondering if you, if you would go to that or would you be interested in going to something like that? L- listen to like speakers and panelists. I got to admit that I would be not 100 percent earnest in my attendance, but you better believe that I would go. A, a like, better one, love be a better one to go to is Dragon Con because Dragon Con has multiple tracks. So like, there's the cosplay and the video games and the nerdy stuff, but then there is also one track that is paranormal. Oh, and let me tell you, it is one of <laughs> the best things I've ever done. I went and did that, and uh, we saw a panel about ghosts. And what ghosts really are. And then a person stood up when asking questions and said that they used to have a ghost that would fold their laundry and that their aunt had their head cut off and heart eaten. And everyone was like, what? And they never, the host was like, all right, well, that's it for the panel. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) And we were like, is no one going to talk about that? No one did. And there's I'll never something, know. There's something amazing. Like, dude, okay. <laughs> and that's our mid-roll uh, ad right yeah. there for yeah. Dragon Con. September yeah. 1st to December, September 5th. It's a wandering in, uh, convention. In Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. Right yeah. there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, last time we did a live show, which was like in October, we uh, like kind of like had time at the end to have people come up and talk to us for a little bit. And this one dude showed me this amazing like ghost photographs that like blew my mind and like that to me is worth it i don't care if it's real that much i just Mm -hmm. am attracted to the fact that somebody has that on their phone i just want to see it i i (laughs) i don't need an explanation i'm like Mulder, but like then he did like ayahuasca and then he realized that he just can believe if he wants to you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't know. Are we, are we disappointed that we're about what, 13 years into the existence of smartphones and having awesome cell phone cameras that we don't really have good UFO photos and videos off. of? That's of why I'm every- convinced that that's why I'm the skeptic. That's why I think it's all BS. It's all, right. all of it, Jesse. Okay. Jesse, yeah. all of it. Even yes. though now the Pentagon is coming out and saying, we don't know what the hell this stuff is the past we few will years. See. I, here's the thing. I'm waiting. I, for one, would be very excited. I welcome our alien overlords. Still don't see any evidence that we're going to get them anytime soon. I don't see Well, this is what Frank says. Frank is, uh, Alex knows Frank. Frank is a a, a Jersey hippie. He's a fan favorite. Yeah. He's a fan favorite. Cults. He's a cult influencer. Frank (laughs) Frank has very sage advice when it comes to aliens. And he says this. You got to listen to the military guys because those are guys that are straight laced, narrow ass, and they got no, no reason to lie about it because it can ruin their careers. And he's a hundred percent right. Yeah. So when you have astronauts saying they've seen things, 
military pilots seeing they've seen things. That's what you believe. And even and the airline pilots have seen stuff like the Japanese um, flight was going towards Alaska, but they saw something like outside their airplane sure. for like half the trip or whatever. That's like, like in the 70s them, or 80s. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so I do. Those are the stories you focus on, not some jerk off d- down in the sticks that sees swamp gas. You focus on the professionals <laughs> that train their whole lives. And if they lie about something, their careers are gone. Those are the people you believe, the people that have no incentive to lie about or to make up stories. Yeah, and to Doesn't put it in, they can't be wrong, but you go with the odds. Yeah. My and pushback s- to that would be yeah. uh, a military person would equally say that we don't know what that is. If it is something that's like, I don't know, a foreign adversary in our airspace and they can we can't stop them like that kind of thing. They would mm-hmm. equally say, we don't know what that is just because it would be very unnerving to be like an enemy of ours flies around above us whenever the hell they want. You know what I mean? Like that well, he, could equally be the same. It could be, but this is what I'm going to say to that. Most governments in the world say, yeah, there's stuff out there. We don't know what it is. For some reason, sure. the U S is one of the ones, because obviously we're like so far ahead in terms of military tech, well, estimates are between 10 and 15 years ahead, maybe 20 years ahead mm-hmm. of the second place, per, uh, which could be probably be China that it's not in our interest to say, we don't, we don't know what this is because we're supposed to know what everything is. If that makes sense. Uh, agreed. It, yeah. it, it, it completely that's agreed the, that we're supposed that's been actually- to, right. But like, you know, yeah, I would be thrilled. I'm one of those people like if I was proved tomorrow, like if an alien showed up, I'd be like. <laughs> Got me. So, so when I mean, you see, so when you see the the military uh, videos showing these things descending into the the ocean, literally, you know, twenty miles off the coast of San Diego, out here, this stuff happened multiple times. You're just like, they're lying, or it could be something else. No, I, I mean, I don't think they're lying. I just think it's fascinating footage, and I think it's super sure. interesting. I it seems so not real. Gonna, the acting on. I'm it not going to jump on the tr- immediate train of Alex and Mathis, which is like. It's aliens. I'm like, mm, I'm not, it's, it's aliens. I just it's think it's something. Exciting. It's something. We don't know what it is. That's acting with intelligence. You want to call that aliens or, or whatever else. I'm, I'm even more, in know. some ways, I mean, I'm even more open to the idea that they're necess- not necessarily from outer space, but are under the fucking water. I'm open to that because so much of the, the, the ocean floor, we don't know what we the hell is down about, there. Yeah, yeah. You're, and you're right. I like, but I'm always trying to look for the scientific explanation for sure. everything. And that's sure. like, so when, you know, when, when we talk about ghosts or whatever, I'm always thinking like, all right, well, what else could that have been like that kind of stuff? But if a ghost showed up, it was like, Jesse, what up, bro? I'd be like, my man, I will. Yeah, I'd be fine with it. I'd be, oh, you want to go towards to be proven yeah. wrong. Yeah. So, 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 okay. So Jesse, so, so you, you have never experienced anything close to what I talked about in terms of any feelings of ghosts or uh, I 100% or, I'm sure in my life have seen something or uh, like something like quarter my eye. I'm almost positive. I would be lying if I said I didn't think that. Um, but I don't. To me, I it's immediately written off as not being like, oh, that wasn't a ghost. That was like a trick of the light or that was like, oh, I am tired. That was something, you know, like a great example is <clears throat> let me see if we can. F- I'll tell you about it. Let me see if we can find it while I tell you there was a. Uh, TikTok that I saw. Oh boy, TikTok. There was a TikTok that I saw, which was about a guy who was saying, Hey, it was just like him in the bottom third. And he was like, Hey, uh, up above there are celebrities on either side of the screen. And they're just going to cycle through the celebrities. But in the middle of the screen is a plus sign. Stare at the plus sign. Don't look at the celebrities. You know what these people look like. Just stare at the plus sign. And as you stare at the plus sign, because the celebrities in your periphery, 
they slowly start to warp and they look like monsters, but like they look creepy as hell. And it's that kind of thing. We're like, well, you know, you caught something and it looked weird. And so I've definitely probably have seen things. I know people who are like, yeah, no, I saw a ghost. I'm like, all Your right, brain just like, I'm doesn't not going to tell there. you you didn't yeah. like maybe you did. And maybe that's the time where I get proven wrong. But like me personally, I got nothing. Um, we're going to get into some psychological territory here. And I apologize, Jesse. I don't know much <laughs> about, I don't know much about you personally. Sure. Um, but this is something when I was in college, I was talking about to my anthropology professors, um, about cryptids, about the possibility there's still stuff out there, which every year we still find stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just found a new v- a version of a fucking, um, a, a, a small chimpanzee, like between the last, in the last five years. Like mm-hmm. another like offshoot, didn't they somewhere in, in, in Africa? I mean, anyway, if they didn't uh, or not, that kind of thing happens like literally like happens. every couple they're of days. They're still discovering actually. insects yeah. every single day. So like, we're, still, we're still discovering mammals, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Like yeah. larger mammals. That's what's fascinating to me. Besides reptiles and amphibians, whatever else on There's the scale. A lot There's a birds, missing. Right? Yeah. So, so the point is this. So I was bringing up a conversation about, you know, Bigfoot. You know, it's a, it's a large swath of area. A lot of it's unexplored. There's not a lot of people in the Northwest, you know, talking from Northern California up to Alaska, this whole path. Right. And I, I was, and I brought that up and, and, and not to be insulting, but one of my professors said, does it make you feel more interesting that these things could exist? Like your life is more interesting. And I'm like, well, yeah, obviously, but I don't, but that, that may not be a main motivation for me, but in this respect. So in that respect, the opposite. To some people that are skeptics, are they afraid that there's things out there they don't know everything about? They have less control over their their lives because there are things that exist that they don't have a handle on. That's that's the other sort of side of that coin. I'm not saying Jesse falls under that, but I think there's definitely skeptics that they want to feel that they know everything that exists or have a feel of it. Because if they don't, now the world's a little less organized. Maybe it's a little more scary. That's more I mean, falls into a, that I, falls into a similar category of the people who believe in like some of the like conspiracy theory nuts because correct. they also need that control and so correct. I would, I would say the idea real. of it's aliens or it's ghosts or whatever is the the necessity the necessity that we all as people have that to put things in in like everything has a purpose so like this weird thing that happened it was caused by this or this so like it, yeah I mean personally I am a a like willing participant in the idea of like there could be a million things we don't know and because i love just science in general i understand that one of the key tenets of philosophy is like understanding you don't know nothing right the whole idea like the more you know the less you know so i'm totally open to it um i just think that like the thing that is to me is the more we look and the more we deep dive into like, I don't know, Chupacabra or any cryptid, whatever is a lot of the time it ends up just seeming like a modern day mythology that a group of people have decided is what happened based on micro accounts of things and then created a story and that story becomes the legend and then it just grows. And a lot of the time when you look at like the origins of things, it really is just like keeping your kids scared so they don't go after dark. Hey, yo, uh, but you like, know, go out like, like don't just go near system? the water at night or else the lady will get you like that kind of thing. And, I, you know, I'm totally cool with the idea that, like, 
Could there be a lady who grabs you at night in the lake? Maybe. <laughs> but also, it's probably more likely that at night they don't want their kids going down by the lake to get to drown. And sure. both are fine because they're both neat stories. You, you brought up actually the, the, a lot of things came to my head at once because my mind kind of sort of ping pongs. Sure. Uh, you, you'll find that out if you haven't already. You talked about like small accounts building up to a mythology and a legend. What, what was one of the, the greatest or one of the f- first, we'll say, modern conspiracies? was the JFK assassination, which is like 60 years ago next year. Oh, yeah. Um, Yep. (laughs) And that sort of probably started the whole modern conspiracy push. Mm -hmm. And it comes down to the fact that a lot of people don't want to believe that a lone gunman just happened to kill the most powerful person on the planet. Right. Like that. that's part of it. And you can build around, well, magic bullet or this and that. But they still can't wrap their minds around this guy just went out and, and fired off three shots and killed the president. Like, that's basically what it comes down to. And even Frank, someone intelligent, you know, he, he I taught them about, I was like, listen, Frank, this guy was a Marine. He was a sharp shoot, shooter. All Marines are trained to be marksmen. You have to have a, a, a degree of marksmanship to be a Marine. He made the shot, Frank. You may not want to admit it, but he made the shot. I talked to my friend who's a Marine. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a doable shot. That's that's a that's not an easy shot, but it's a doable shot uh, to do that. And that's what it comes down to is like. You don't want to maybe admit the world is the way it is. And then that, then you get that, you know, those loose change documentary documentary. You're going to call it that those pieces of trash <laughs> that don't want to don't want to uh, don't want to admit that. Yeah. A bunch of uh, Saudis just conspired to bring down the towers. Like, yeah. That's I mean, but also, like, yeah. you know, yeah. it, aside from the like fear motivation, right? Like there is a difference between like facts and uh, like perception too. like, for example, like you had the experiences that you had in the northwest corner of your house by the, you know, the little rooms and like you saw all these things that you saw. Northeast. I, I got my east and west. Well, up, I'm just up. going off, you know, what I what I got. I'm just a journalist. I'm just a journalist, man. I just go off the facts, man. East, uh, your west. Yeah, dude. Yeah, well, yeah. So we're on the west coast, so it's opposite. So that makes sure. sense. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, like, you know, like, I don't know, like, you saw those things. They affected your perception of reality in some way. Like you definitely like know that you saw them and it's like, you're comfortable with the fact that you saw them, but you probably also don't live with the implications of that hanging over your head 24, seven, 365 as you exist in the physical world, as we know it based on thousands of years of science and research. Right. So it's this sort of like, there's this spiritual world, right? Like, I mean, back in the day, people think about it a lot easier as something that people were willing to do because they sort of have a romanticized version of like these people that are like under civilized people from a time before we have all the systems and information that we have now, you know, people from thousands of years ago and how easy it is for them to cross over into the idea of like the spirit realm and things that happen that don't happen. You know what I mean? It's like a wild thing that we all just kind of like take for granted is that there's this other world where stuff doesn't that happens that doesn't happen. And we're still just in that and we're still wrestling with that in the same way that created religion in the first place, I think, uh, in the modern world. Like we're not getting like remarkably smarter than people, you know, a thousand years ago. There's not like a huge amount of brain evolution in terms of our capacity for reasoning in that time. And so despite everything that we do to explain the world around us, sometimes our stupid monkey brains still just have to make a little story picture myth for ourselves to explain things that happen just so that we don't lose our minds or like go into like fight or flight mode too, you know? So fear is one thing, but also just like your brain kind of like does it without you thinking about it 
anyway makes up little you know conspiracy theories well, about everything things. everything is like a little story in in reality just the fact that like i can sit here and be like well obviously because this scientist said there are multiple dimensions theoretically that there could be other jesse's out there like that's as that's as plausible as the ghost realm you know what i mean like that is it's like literally just a comic book concept from 50 years ago that yeah, might be like real it's, now. It's plausible. I, like I, I would love to be visit yeah. a ghost town uh, and or alternate reality. I would be fine with either. I'd be happy to be there. Just I, look like, at what's it, going on? I look at a lot of these things as just things we don't have the tools to measure yet. Sure. If we don't understand. Yeah. We don't have the tools to measure. At one point in time, we had no idea that magnetism ex- existed as yeah. humans. We had no idea there was a, a literally an invisible force that pulled and pushed things. Yeah. Like, but now we know about it. So yeah. maybe we get to the point where you want to call it extra dimensional. You want to call it interdimensional. But maybe it comes to a point where, oh, yeah, there's a weird wavelength that we're on in the universe. And there's another one that's slightly off. And that's something else. Yeah. And it, and it just is what it is. You know, mm-hmm. and that's it. And, and, and at some point in time, maybe a thousand years from now, that'll be accepted. Maybe we'll be able to be able to tune into it. Yeah. And, and and like peer into it, like through a peephole. But now we can't do that. And the energy slips in. And I think that's not crazy. Yeah, I, I, I think, don't think it is. Either. I'm with you. I don't think I, it is I, either. Yeah, I, that, that's that, that alone, obviously for ghosts, too. But that's a huge realm in the alien world as well, is that, you know, if they're not just physical beings from another world, they may be from this, like you said, slightly off other dimension. And they need to use us to like get pulled into our world for whatever reason. And that's why people's abduction scenarios are Always really the same in very particular I, ways. Now you're stretching. I'm actually in Jesse's side. I think you're gonna, you're <laughs> stretching this sort of well, going well, to no, the abduction You were like, come over, come with me. No, yeah, no, 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 planet the than only, they are from somewhere the, else yeah. the best evidence we have military release videos from yeah. fighter jets showing these things going into the water i just wish yeah. we had like again better anything the world we live in with our smart cameras and phones like even that video footage of it you know it's always the like the crosshairs and the grainy screen yep. and then like zip and the thing happens and it looks compelling you're like what was that and the question is we're always saying what was that and no one's like well we figured oh. it out, and that sucks. I want to know the answer. Yeah, well, I don't yeah. know if the alien ship's going to let let the the F sixteen get that close to it. Why in order to get not? Light. What are you hiding, Why aliens? <laughs> what do you got to hide? What do you have to hide? Too, do you think they're manned? They could just be probes of some sort, just controlled elsewhere. There is nothing living in there at all. I just think it'd just be something machine. I just think it, it, first of all, they got leaked originally. And then the Pentagon then mm-hmm. was the next year. It's like, oh, yeah, these things are real. Like these are video from our crafts, from our mm-hmm. from our from our pilots. You can't deny it anymore. It is what it is. It's like, real. No, yeah, it's it's whatever it is. It's real. It, it like it's on there. It's, it's, getting, tra- it's yeah. getting trapped by multiple pieces of radar. It's on video. It's there. We're not saying what it is, but it's there and we don't know what it is. It's and that's really footage from a military vehicle. That's what showing they're saying. something yeah. showing something. Yeah. We don't know what it is, but it's on a bird. Yes. You know, it's, it's moving too quickly. And just, yeah. I mean, that's it, fascinating could be, to me. it could be a bird. If you account for like parallax, you know what? I don't even want to get into that. Point what? is, you, point is, if you want to take scrolling. What? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> like if you think about, okay, if you want to take the big bong rip though, 
<laughs> if you want to think yes, about what's real yes. and what's and, and you want to think about what's real and what's fake, and you want to talk about infinite universes being like on the on the on the menu, like as something that's possibly true, right? Then if any reality is possible, then there really isn't a difference. Like, like, a, like when you read a conspiracy theory or you read something that's written, you know, mm-hmm. you, theoretically, there's a reality where it's true and there's a reality where it isn't anyway, even for like Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like every Are you telling me that there is a galaxy far, far away. I'm is that what you're trying to tell me right now? If, if infinite realities are possible there is no line between reality and fiction which is like a well, weird realities are all restricted by the same physics it, it, just, it just like breaks down it just breaks down, say. it just breaks down the fact that like there's no way for us to tell now what's, we're like one joint away from a good time is, what, yeah, is, it, is this all part of your outline for the episode that's that's where i'm getting to uh but uh if you're speaking of my outline for this episode the next thing that it tells me to do is to promote patreon.com slash illuminati the finest that Five fifty minute Patreon. Well, we gotta do it, oh, baby. Well, now we're going from the intro to the main episode, so you know it's uh, you know this is the time when we do the Patreon. Good job, plug. my man. Good Al- job, Alex. Alex, what can I get at patreoncom Illuminati. Not only can you get these episodes without any ads, except for this one, uh, you can also get the mini sods, which come out every time we put out an episode. You get fifteen more minutes of episode, and it's and it's great. It's great. I'll tell you right now, Jesse sent us the link to that TikTok. I'm going to do it on the mini sode. I'm going to well, do the TikTok. I'm going to look at the celebrity. I'm going to look at the I'm, plus sign. I'm going to let you know we should do that on the mini sode because it'll blow your I'm doing, mind. It's, it's I want happening. all three oh, of you to be like, yeah, what? we're going to do it. And everybody's going to read the news. It's going to be great. And there's like 40 of those or 30 of those. I don't even know how many there are. There's a lot. You get art. You get pre-sale stuff. You get merch. You get all kinds of incredible stuff. Mel. She's a fucking peach. She draws the best stuff. Go get it on the patreon.com slash pod. The finest website. That sentence did not make grammatical sense. Anyway, I'm sold. Oh, yeah. it's Chaluminati pod. I'm well, sorry. You, gotta, you have one more thing to shill still, Alex. It's very important. I do. And that is because in one month's time, a little bit over one month's time, we're going to be in in Austin, Texas. It's a great place that I like to visit. And I'm excited to go there. And we're going to be doing a show. Uh, on May 26th, uh, and it's going to be a great time, and uh, there's tickets still available. There's only two VIP tickets available, so you better grab one if you're thinking about doing it. For you, and, someone and you love yeah, and or if hate, like, and if whatever. you're on the fence, come have a beer with us. Go get a ticket. Come watch the show. It'll be a good time. There's a bar in the venue. I'm going to drink. You're going to drink. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be funny. Mathis will get up and move around more than I'm you expect him to. He gets the energy of like, I'll get fed up with the two of them yeah. and like, that's my goal. Go get a drink my halfway through the show. show It'll be great. Is to a- this to achieve what I did last show is make walk Jesse so frustrated make, he walks make, off stage. What is happening today? Make walk Jesse. What make walk Jesse? Make walk, make Jesse, Jesse walk off stage oh. just from being so frustrated. Yeah. And where can I get those tickets, Alex? Chiluminatipod.com. And, and like Alex said, free beers on him if you're on the fence. I don't know what you're that's going. What I'm saying. That's what I heard. Just come, just come on the fence. I'll pay for your no, airfare. You pay for what? my beer, and then we'll talk about it. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. I'll give <laughs> well, you a you place signed, to say. Travel that's, across the U.S. Yeah. Was it a good decision? Here's a beer. We'll I'll drink every it. beer you hand me.
No, that's not true. <laughs> it's false advertising. Well, you, you guys, you, false advertising. You guys doing doing a live dates with this? That's fantastic. Yeah, I did spray lemon and like throw salt into my eyeball one time uh, during a during a live show. So anything's possible. So come, come anything, down and check it out. Anything is anything possible. Is possible. With so eye. many realities, anything's possible. He could Including be halfway through the show. Yeah. yeah. Alex could slip in human piss one more time. That's it's happened before. Uh, At any moment during this episode, Darth Vader could arrive at my home and slice me up. It's true. Anything is possible. Moment in some universe. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, But why why do you think Darth Vader comes to your house though? Like, just a quick question. Maybe I'm special. Why Darth Vader? Maybe I'm special. He needs a a better wardrobe. I mean, I I love Alex's shirts. I've always loved. (laughs) You're imagining Darth Vader, but with an Alex shirt on. Yes. Where did you get, where did you get that? And I'm like, Target, bro. And he's like, What? Are you serious? Target? It's like you gotta buy the one they got a lot of because nobody wants it. Oh wow, that makes sense if you think about it. Yeah, I wow. got the credit card. Yeah. Okay. It's the black card. All right. Um, <laughs> terrible. It's the dark slide. Bam! The dark dark slide? Bam! Oh there it is. My dark God. slide? The, the, that, that, yeah. There's so many different varying uses I, for that I term, hate that actually. We don't cut this because that deserved it. That no, should have no, been cut right the cut You get the fresh takes. Cut it the floor. Let's get to the show. <laughs> let's get to the show. Let's get to the let's get to the main program. Anyway. Hour in, baby. One hour go. in. Anyway, originally, since we all have the hashtag gamer, hashtag gaming career in common, I wanted to try and find us some good video game related mysteries to dive into together, you know, since we're all certified experts at video games. But let me tell you, <laughs> other than Polybius, that is a a long walk of a short pier into like literal made up creepypasta town. And honestly, Polybius mostly made up as well. Uh, so instead, I turned my attention to New Jersey, Pat's homeland, oh. hoping to find something juicy to dive into. But we've already oh. done the Jersey Devil. And I didn't want to do a murder, which there are a lot of in New Jersey, <laughs> uh, uh, especially since I am still only barely recovered from the fucking Gacy episode Mathis did last month. I'm just saying there's a lot of there's a lot of murder. I just cases. watched that. I just watched that at yeah. one in the morning and I couldn't get to sleep. That's not a good a idea. New documentary. I haven't seen did, it yet. They, I'm excited. I, yeah, to, we we just did an episode it. on the show, but I got to ask as somebody who's watched it. Is there like a large amount of like fried chicken, like bribing going on in the doc? <laughs> They talk about what that? the hell is that term? Fried Whoa. chicken bribing. Okay, so check right. this out. Whoa! So they yes. probably didn't focus on his life prior to the murder. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, he. Oh, so because he, you're you're saying because he 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 had all the you know he was the, the community leader and was having cookouts. He'd like his greased, nickname was the he'd Colonel. He'd grease the bring, wheel with the KFC every, all the time. No. Every single time that like stuff went down, he would show up with like chicken, and people were like, "You're good, my man." He bribed people with chicken. It's crazy. Well, that wasn't in the documentary. What documentary? There's so no yeah, fried chicken in my documentary. But he, he owned a franchise. His father-in-law gave him three KFCs as part of a franchise. He ran them, making the equivalent of like 200 grand nowadays in money. Free house. He was coasting and, uh, before he, he went was, like, yeah. Because and because the town was so small, he would often end up hanging out in the same area as cops would hang out when they were off duty. And he would, he would bring, bring them, them free KFC. He'd be like, who so wants when chicken? The murders started happening. He was not they even like, remotely not the guy. No way. Was that he the also ran like a sex I, I missed that. I missed it. I missed <laughs> it. The, probably wasn't in the documentary. I missed that the fried chicken no, that, yeah, We did a really oh, deep dive yeah. on him. He yeah. had like a KFC sex club thing going on. I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah, he literally uh, had a club under one of the KFCs where whole he would try other, and there's a whole other story that is fascinating. Not 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 to be a downer, but the reality is is that like a lot of serial killers, they focus, they prey upon those that when they go missing, no one cares. Right. Oh, you yes. are well, yeah, the less dead, good sir. Yeah. The less dead. I mean, there was so much of that. That's why Alex was saying how messed up he was, because like it got dark. 
Wait, yeah. We talk yeah. about the KFC because it's the one funny bit from the entire yeah. Dude. series, which was just dark. <laughs> and that, okay, and John Wayne Gacy in jail being a whiny bitch and faking heart attacks to get out of being. Nah, beat up. that guy. Nah, I don't know. <laughs> that, nah, that was funny. funny. Stuff to that me. dude. What do I, this wasn't in my Netflix library about faking heart attacks. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I want to really, 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 really proud Michael, of my, this of my documentary. <laughs> I want to watch the chicken bribing documentary. That's the version I want to watch. It checks it's a three-part uh, series on, on the, on the it, it podcast. Checks out. Uh, Man. But, yeah. Good work. So we didn't do video games. I didn't do New Jersey, but I... So what did I do? Instead, uh, in the interest of making sure this retains the feel of a quote-unquote Alex episode... I've decided instead to opt for my new favorite thing, which is keeping everybody guessing during the episode for as long as I possibly can. And Why? so I ask you, do any of you have the one writer that you like to read who you think is like just as good as like the greats, but never got the recognition? Do you know that vibe? Yeah. One writer that I like to read that's just as good as the greats. Like do, do Dan you, you, Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Clancy. Yeah. No, I think they're doing it okay. I, I think like they're Clancy. already great. So it's fine. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when it's Clancy, uh, it's all right. You know, but when it's like whoever the hell else it is, and it just says for Clancy. A while, I there. would say like Brandon Sanderson, but he's hit it big now. Like he's really done really well for himself. Yeah. Um, and for a while I think I would have said Pat Rothfuss, but that man just gave up on really working. So it's just weird to think about like that. There's so many of them out there that like do pretty good and like lots of people read their work and they're very well read and they just kind of disappear. But like, that's what is how, about to happen here. Where well, are you yeah, going, where are we going with well, That's how I feel about but like Robert W. Chambers, for example. Right. Right. He's I gotta like, look these up. I'm not as, I'm not as a, a, a rudite. Well, what is he's, this? he's the guy, he's the dude who wrote King in yellow. This, you don't not, you do not need to look this up, which is about those like weird, like demonic fantasy characters. It's like a play that people read it and they go crazy. It's like part of Cthulhu. It's been like the, uh, the book is multiple, multiple stories, and the first couple are about this weird play uh, that features the king in yellow. And it, if you interact with the play, you literally, yeah, terrible things happen. We just did. A, Isn't the king in yellow in that in yeah. that smoochy dating yeah, game? Yeah, we just did yes. a game about it on yes. uh, Scary Game Squad. Oh, did you? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in that Cthulhu blow Cthulhu yeah, game. For well, it's, it's, for but love. a warning: if you get the book King in Yellow, it's only the first couple of stories are about the king in yellow. The rest of it has absolutely nothing yeah. to do with it. But oh, actually, wait, those, <laughs> oh, okay. But those other stories are like romance stories that were like the best-selling books in the country at one point. Wait, in time. So, you're, so you are kayfabe supposed to go crazy? Reading it, yeah, like, like fake, like, like it's a story. It's a I'm story confused. about a play that drives you crazy. Gotcha. It's, it's like okay. several short stories about the people's. It's very it's like Lovecraft. in the Cthulhu world, yeah. where it's like you see the aftermath of what happened to the person, yeah, like that kind of True thing. True Detective uh, season one was kind of like a heavy reference to this character, but it doesn't matter. This is oh. like this is just my example of this is just my example of somebody like this. Nobody sure. knows who the fuck it is. He's heavily referenced. Uh, we're not even talking about Robert W. Chambers today, uh, but we are talking about somebody <laughs> whose life went in the exact same direction, despite sure. all the wonderful and weird things they'd done and built. Uh, and the name they made for themselves. And eventually, uh, everyone out there listening to this will know that name well by the end of this episode. But for now, where this story starts, in the town of Birkenhead, England in 1848, just across the Mercy River from Liverpool, on September 13th, he was born to his parents, Joseph and Emily, as a little boy, which I love that he was called Jesse. 
The main character of this episode is called Jesse, which is just great. Uh, so however, what perfect. did this uh, attractive sex god uh, do in this story? Well, what did this gentleman he, and scholar do in just, this? You're, you're very joking, popular but he, saga. You, you're, you're joking, but he did literally everything. However, his parents were very poor due to an economic depression in England at the time. Uh, in the 1840s and became a part of a mass exodus of the hardest hit uh, to other countries that seemed a little bit more promising at the time, uh, which eventually landed his family almost 20 and 20,000 other English families in Illinois at that time. Uh, and Jesse little, when I think getting away from it all, I think Illinois. I guess just it yeah. seemed like a good prospect at the time. And Lil Jesse spent his first 10 years there on a farm in Sangamon County. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Everything in the Midwest has a weird pronunciation. Uh, but he, he was on a farm there. Uh, however, his daddy, Joseph, just wasn't cut out for the uh, country life. He had no knowledge of agriculture. He had no idea what he was doing. He couldn't get started selling horses, uh, which he tried to do for a while. And then he had some weird problem where his eyes kept hurting when he was outside in nature that they don't really mm -hmm. get into. So eventually he swapped it all for a government job in St. Louis, grabbed his whole family, became city folk pretty cleanly. And then finally had like a happy life for him and his wife by 1865 when they made it to Chicago, the big time. Uh, and apparently uh, they have some letters that his mom sent to her cousin uh, fighting in the Civil War at the time. And while they were out uh, sucking it up in the country, just like not doing a good job, she was saying that she could get back to uh, she wanted to get back to, quote, unquote, civilized life in England someday. And that she she had this incredible quote. Uh, and I'm going to have Jesse read this quote in his best Mon Mothma impression, uh, who is a real Mon Mothma, Mothma impression, who is canonically oh, a real person now. I dropped it in the in Mon the Mothma? I dropped it in the in the in the DMs. Ah, uh, all right. I gotta go open that up then. I know. Open the Twitter. Always I got some long quotes later, so we gotta do it in the DMs. I'm so sorry. That's all right. Okay. For my part, I lost so many precious years of my life wandering in the wilderness. There you go. Bam. Uh, Lil Jesse probably missed those days, though, because it sounded like he had a pretty exciting life out there until he got to St. Louis. He did not go to school. He just got to go out and run around and explore nature all day instead. And for a little while, his house was even a station on the Underground Railroad bravely in the face of their staunchly pro-slavery southern neighbors. Uh, but yeah, by the time he was a teenager, he was a city boy in Chicago, and he's probably kind of yearning for that excitement that he had when he was young. So when he was 21 years old, after patiently taking the time to learn and become excellent at improvised piano playing, he left home by himself in 1869 and headed to France. Uh, and he put the pedal to the metal, hustled a little bit. Eventually, stars aligned. He runs into Francois Aubert, who was a famous composer at that time. And amazingly, it sort of put him on the fast track to regular gigs in the courts of various royal families. And for 20 years after that, based purely on his own skill and reputation, taking him back and forth across Europe and America multiple times, even once to Australia, which again, this is the 1870s. I was going to say, man, traveling in that, that must be just to, Just to give you an idea of how popular he was. You know what I mean? He was yeah, that's able nuts. to do this multiple times, went to Australia. World tour in the 1800s. Yeah, in the 1870s. Uh, and by then, Lil Jesse had grown up and evolved, Pokemon style, into Jesse Shepard, a big guy, tall and thin, with notably large hands and feet, if you know what I mean. Good looks, charming ways, and he had so much self-confidence and so much determination. He was basically just whipping ass everywhere he went, everything he did. He was like Lizzo. He just Everybody was just like hype to see him when he popped up. Uh, and everybody who saw him loved him. Here's a quote from Mathis to read from the French novelist Alexandre Dumas. 
uh, that he said he literally said this to the guy. Dumas said, he said it, this is being said to little Jesse yeah, to Jesse Shepard. With your gifts, you will find all doors open before you. Yeah. Imagine I think that kind of got Spanish. Imagine Dumas there, saying that to you. Know it was you. a little it was a little Count Monte Cristo there. So it was like yeah, fine. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. It's all right. I like that vibe. It's all right. Uh, and then just after that, he also took up writing and was writing in the same magazine as Mark Twain. And he was publishing well-reviewed collections of his own essays in Paris, where they really care about books in France. And then they uh, published his memoirs, uh, The Valley of Shadows, which is kind of like how I know about all this stuff. Uh, but the book is also kind of about how the 1858 appearance of Donati's Comet prophesized the rise of Abraham Lincoln as a chosen leader of men, which was kind of like a weird tangent for the book to go on. But it's not really out of character for the guy at this point, since A, he was actually present uh, for the last Lincoln-Douglas debate in 1858, which is pretty crazy to think about. Uh, and also, B, uh, because he had become something of a, like, eccentric genius at this point, like, by reputation. <clears throat> kind of like, almost like a, like a, people get excited about him the way they got excited about, like, Liberace. Like, he was a very colorful character. So what you're saying is Jesse just gets reincarnated as the same person every single time. Uh, something like that. But like literally, <laughs> literally, this guy's like a piano master. He's traveling the he world. Was my, my personal Liberace. He's Jesse, writing books. All. I mean, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he was just like this really like romantically motivated dude. He had like that very classical style of like artiste going for him. Uh, he would have a concert of like extremely powerful European aristocrats fawning over him. And it would just like pour out these emotions, get everyone going. Like one time in England when he was playing piano at this party and he was just improvising music live on the spot, like based on the sinking of the Titanic and all these rich ass people and royalty were like crying, listening to it. And he was so moved by the power of his own genius that he actually decided to take like a few days to like recover before he went back to America. He like delayed his like ship because he was so tired from like, expressing the titanic where uh, is this <clears throat> madness I know. going so now you see what yeah. is, this a, is this a wait a minute is this a typical episode like am I, uh it's a typical alex episode yes. okay. alex brings his own alex. brand usually okay. we have wait. like this is what this is you just alex gotta jump like, aboard you know what this is 45 yeah. minutes and in. this is and this is not a fiction right alex is just making up the story no. this is a guy that exists no. this is a real guy this yeah. is a real thing and this is he, a, he and this is a category shit. this is a this is a subject that i picked specifically for you pat country Oh, I gotta pay attention. How, okay. How are we? Getting I, 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 I to gotta be there. taking notes. No, it'll this? be. It'll just no, be. No, it's just, just enjoying. I, I customized okay. it to you. You'll have. Pat, I need you to know. I need you to know. I need everyone listening right now to know. Alex will tell you. All right. So today's episode is going to be about New Jersey, and then he'll spend an hour nowhere near New Jersey. Oh, it's it's not about New Jersey. <laughs> is, is pork roll going to come up in this, or a diner, or something no. Jersey related? Pork you roll? said this was New Jersey related. Pork roll Seaside is the best Heights? thing to put on a breakfast sandwich, but it is not present in this episode. New Jersey <laughs> okay. itself is not present in this episode. We already touched what you, on. You said New Jersey. I said I wanted to do New Jersey, but we already did the Jersey Devil, and I didn't want to do a murder, so we're doing this instead. And I, I wanted thought you still were new. I thought we were still in New I Jersey. Truly, I truly also thought that. Meant I thought you were taking us. You were like, and then Jesse went to England, and then he came back via New Jersey, and and he's not. He didn't. He didn't come back via New Jersey. <laughs> uh, so now you know what kind of guy he was, though. It's probably not too surprising to hear that was also super into like weird New Agey spiritualism at the time. He's one of those types of guys too. And in 1871, when he was playing for the Czar of Russia in Saint Petersburg. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, General Jurovsky uh, heard that he was into that dark magic shit and taught him how to do some neat, like, occult stuff. And but sometimes while touring around... As part around, of his show? Sometimes while touring around and playing these crazy shows, he'd even, like, deadass start, like, like playing piano, like, as soundtracks for his own seances that he was conducting. And then... That is... That would that would 100% track, Jesse, because at this time, <laughs> seancing and that yeah. shit was a wait, wait. huge seller. New Age spiritualism was a huge thing. And people... This is, like, what they... The rich folk would hire people to have seances yeah. at their home so all their friends could come. And yeah. they could talk to the... So, like, that doesn't surprise me that this man was doing, like the piano man version of seancing. When was this guy born again? Cause you just said Titanic, which would be 40 years after this. So when was this guy born? This was, this was this, the Titanic thing is just an account of him doing this one time. This was like the, the, the Titanic time was later in his career, but that's just an example. Later, of the time. He'd be dead. That's all. That was 40 you know, years when, later than this. He was born in 1848. So the Titanic sank in 1912. So he was alive for it. He just, okay. So, okay. He died in 1927. Uh, so he was okay. He, yeah. So it was like 70 in his seventies for the Titanic story. He gotcha. was still doing okay. this. Like even at that time, he was like, it, he wasn't 70. He was like, like, uh, like 65. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Still though. Yeah. Still though. I know. I know. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, he learned it from this Russian czar, like general sorcerer guy that was his friend. And general then, sorcerer, dude, guy. the dude just taught him like how to do seances. And then he's a general, he's a sorcerer. He's a guy. About general sorcerer, a senior con that artist. That used to be totally normal. Every army had that for like two hundred years. Anyway, Al- alchemist. Yeah, dude, it was all real at one point. You gotta have your Rasputin. And Everyone so needs a Rasputin. He builds dude, up Rasputin this. Is so he fun builds up this talk. crazy show. He has this reputation. He goes back to Chicago and starts running seances out of the house of a medium by the name of H. H. Crocker in eighteen eighty. H.H. H. Okay. Crocker in 1880 starts running seances out of her house uh, during these half performance, half ritual shows that he's sort of landed on after over the years he'd say he was contacting egyptian spirits and he'd have conversations with them and he would quote sing in two voices don't know what that means but he would do it i think it has something to do like with how people like throat sing or something like that i don't know they reference his range when they talk about this in fact going back to the his later career his last published book that he ever did was called psychophone messages from 1921, which was a couple of years before he died, he literally sold it to people as spirit messages that he'd actually received, like that he channeled from famous, like Julius Caesar or some shit like that. And eventually he even started lecturing around as like a well-respected and serious quote unquote world famous mystic and would talk about like time and space and dimension and consciousness and shit and just like blow people's minds by like telling them about like basically what we were talking about earlier. Okay, I'm I'm looking up on Amazon Psychophone messages. It's free on Kindle. Yeah, twelve dollars on paperback. Yeah, Can it's I read real. the description. Yeah, go for it. Psychophone messages was originally published in 1921 by Francis Grierson, a mystic yeah. musician, poet, prophet, and overall man of many talents. Grierson was born as Benjamin Henry Jesse Francis Shepard yep. in 1848 in England, but grew up in Illinois, not Jersey. It says that on Amazon, yeah. not Jersey. Illinois. He later took his mother's maiden name when publishing Modern Mysticism in 1899. By 1915, the Washington Herald Herald hailed Grierson as the strangest man in the world. Yeah. So man. great and varied and unearthly are Grierson's gifts that it is difficult to consider him as a human being. The paper wrote, if he had lived in ancient times, his contemporaries would have made an oracle, prophet, or saint out of him. His most particular talent was display at the piano, where he completely improvised without ever learning to read a note of music. Grierson's abilities led him to travels throughout Europe, playing before crowned heads and causing Alexander Dumas to say, I predict 
predict for you a marvelous future. Yeah. Can you can you believe that you don't know who this person is before this? Doesn't that seem crazy? Uh, oh, there's, there's, crazy. Oh, there was no Instagram. So yeah, I, mean, I mean, I guess he wrote it himself, fair. too. That's his own book. But still. Uh, but yeah, she did. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what is your primary source for all this information? Uh, so I'll I kind of shout it out. I, I've grabbed like I've, I kind of pulled it together from a bunch of sources. A couple of them are from like newspaper clippings from back in the time. So I got some of the details from there. And there was like a really good article that was uh, done by the San Diego Historical Society that gave me a lot of like real hard facts and numbers about stuff. Uh, right, and then somebody did a uh, like crazy uh, like uh, sort of like. You know, it's like a scan from a book from archives.org that's like from the 60s while mm-hmm. stuff was still happening. But we haven't really gotten to the meat of this yet. So I'll, we'll, we'll get the, it'll, it'll start to make sense why I picked this for you very soon. Uh, but yeah, he, he did these he did these weird seance shows for a good long time until January <clears throat> of 1887, when suddenly during a great real estate boom, he found himself down in good old San Diego, California, having a custom mansion Built for himself at 1925 K Street, uh, which is in like Sherman Hill, I think it's called. Uh, it's not the greatest neighborhood, but it's a pretty beautiful house. Uh, however, uh, according to L.W. Tonner, who was Shepard's beloved like clerk, ward, and companion of 40 years. I'm pretty sure this is like a gay relationship that's just like six blocks east of Petco Park, where the Padres no, no, no. by the way. They were just best friends. Yeah, I think, I, think, I think it's like his like partner in life. Uh, but they don't go right up and say it, but I'm just kind of reading between the lines. Uh, Beautiful house. 15 years younger than him. Yeah. Uh, the circumstances surrounding the house's construction were pretty unconventional. I have a short quote here for Pat to read, which I'm going to drop in your Twitter right now. Bango. Uh, who, who, who am I quoting? Who are saying this? You are L.W. Tonner, Shepard's possible boyfriend and live in ward of 15 years is younger. Live it. What's a live in wards voice? Like Robin. <laughs> Certain rich townspeople gave the land and some of the money to build the via. The idea being to attract attention to the town, which it certainly did. Yeah. Uh, and these rich townspeople were none other than William H. High and his brother John, a.k.a. the High Brothers, uh, two rich fans of his who thought it might be a good investment to sort of give him a home base slash party parlor in their town to like get people coming to San Diego and on February 19th. Oh my God. All right. Yeah. Listen, hold on, hold on, hold on. If we ever buy a Illuminati mansion, can we please have a seance parlor part as part of that mansion? Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Please? It's called a party parlor. Party parlor. Okay. Party parlor. Party sorry. I'll use appropriate use terminology. Rec party parlor. Yeah. Uh, multiple use rec room. Mo- multiple use rectum. And on February 19th, 1887, <laughs> what? there was an announcement that went out in the San Diego sun, which I have here for Jesse to read, which I will drop in to oh. the DM slot right now where did i get oh <laughs> i got the dm from jesse about doing a rasputin episode you're not Can supposed I, to spoil it i mean i really want to do a rasputin rat, that rat pu- that rat putin i really want to do an episode, wants to do an episode about that rat putin that's what i said hey, you can do like multiple episodes on that man all right anyway yeah there's the quote for you there in the dms jesse who who said this this is uh the san diego sun i don't uh, what's the san diego News, it's a newspaper accent? I don't know where it's, it's like, it's not like this. Uh, uh, yeah, they sound like skaters. Yeah. Jesse Shepard, <laughs> formerly of Paris, France, and uh, will build a $10,000 cottage on the corner of 19th and K Streets. Messrs. Comstock and Trosh Architects are preparing plans. Yeah, uh, and this beautiful, mystical, and mysterious Queen Anne-style mansion, it's like a Victorian-style mansion, would eventually become known far and wide as Via Montezuma. 
though it actually ended up costing more like I'm Googling this cost more like 25 K uh, all told, which if you think about the fact that this was what, what, uh, what year was that? I'm going to look up how much that is. What did I say? 1887. That's like $4 million dollars so now expensive. Yeah. Or something. Uh, insane amount uh, of money. With t- today's inflation. Yeah. It's like $400,000. Yeah. Just about. Uh, that's more. it. Only Hang eight on. times. From stuff, probably, stuff probably no, had no, more value. Sorry, sorry. it was 700000 Okay, That's what it's worth. 700 yeah, this. The, gotcha. If you look at this thing, it looks like the house from Casper. Like if you, if you check like from the I movie I had no Casper. idea this existed like 20 minutes away from me that I can go visit That's this place. This is now amazing. Thank see. you, Alex. Now that you know, you can go see. I know about the Whaley house, which is like 15 minutes away. Yeah, dude. But, but I, I love that. Okay. All right. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. I love you. Yeah. I know this way, is going somewhere. It yeah. took 14, I got you 14 hours we were here. We that's, got that's, how, yeah, that's how Alex does it. If you are looking this up, the best photo is the full street corner view of this house because nothing around it looks even remotely it's like, similar. It's like a pretty sketch zone, actually. Like, it's, it's not... Um. It's well, maybe it's gotten a little better, but when I was there seven or eight years ago, it was like there was like a guy who was like lurking near us when we got out to look at the house. And I was like, who is that guy? And he kind of like shuffled behind a pole. It was not a good zone. Uh, <laughs> he shuffled <laughs> behind a pole like a cartoon like a character. Cryptid, yeah, like a like a like, Bigfoot like sighting. A cryptid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you tried to take a photo and it was blurry. It was the weird. zoo, the yeah. zoo, the yeah. zoo man. Uh, it was a shadow figure. It's just right. Pat, it was just Pat country. Uh, but uh yeah, so it happened. He gave his first performances in town and around town. There's like a here's a short review uh, from one time that he did a performance uh, somewhere in town uh, just to see just to show you guys how good this guy was doing. This is for Mathis to read just to see like sure. what the zone was with this dude. The zone with this man. Oh, yeah, it's loading. There we go. And uh, all right. <clears throat> this voice was indeed a fragment of celestial harmony. It has been my good fortune to hear Mr. Shepard in other cities in Europe and America. It is indeed magnanimous of him to forget all the honors and distinction of the world, and from the organ loft of this unpretentious church, pour forth an invocation in song and humanity. Think about that. That's like something he did not write about himself, so that's pretty crazy. Uh, this was also around <laughs> the time that he began writing essays and reading a lot of spiritualism and philosophy, and he landed on the idea that his talent came to him via a higher power uh, which granted him a natural intuition like God wanted him or like a higher spirit wanted him to like do these things for some reason. And so it comes naturally to him for that reason. Uh, and in one of the articles I read about him from the San Diego History Center, they included a quote of his from the first published essay that he ever did, uh, which was about a Catholic priest in France uh, as something that he probably thought about himself as well. And I will have Pat Conchery read that for us. This is about this is this is like this is a this is an excerpt from an essay by Jesse Shepard. I'm a priest. You're he's, okay. he's just about a priest. Oh, about a priest. Oh, okay. Joseph Rue is before everything a man of meditation and thought whose whole life may be likened to an alien harp fixed in the turret of a deserted castle so finely strung that the faintest breeze awakens a pensive and responsive tone. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's kind of the idea he had of himself, maybe is something like that. Uh, so I guess after almost a decade of like weird, crazy ghost parties and performances and stuff, he got bored of the life. Uh, he changed his name to Francis Grierson or Grierson, not sure which he's British. So I'm guessing Grierson, I don't know, uh, from his mother's maiden name, moved to Europe again to live this entire second life as like a slightly more like Christian-ish 
uh, spiritualist writer. What age would this have been? This was uh, in. Is this post Titanic sing along? This isn't. No, this is in 1889. <laughs> so, so he never stopped doing music either. Uh, wait, wait. <clears throat> so his his. So he has this like I am in the 1800s a dude who does mysticism. Mm -hmm. Is like enough of this racket. I'm gonna move overseas. And become a song and dance man? I'm going to move overseas and become a famous author, spiritualist essayist, and also continue to be one of the most premier, like, touring musicians uh, who plays piano in the entire world. Now, did people understand it was him? Like, they just, they were like, oh, I mean, just changed his name. Probably not. Like, probably not in the way that we do now. It, like, changing your name back then, like, there probably wasn't even a lot of pictures of you. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, you could probably just disappear yeah. super easy. So. You know, uh, he changed his name and that's like, if you look him up today, that's what he's known as Francis Grierson. Like, do you, I mean, like just speculative, do you think he like, you know, seance the wrong person? Like he got like, like, no, not possessed. I'm more thinking of like, when I think seance, I think like, oh yeah, I'm going to say whatever you want me to say in order to get your money. And I'm thinking that this dude, like. Well, actually, you know, people are buying him homes. Yeah. And like, you know, the wealthy, the wealthy also have power and they don't mess around. That's actually, so I know that yeah. like, if you piss off the wrong person, you're changing your name and you're fleeing to Europe. I'm really what I'm glad thinking. you asked me that because that's like literally exactly what I'm going to get into right now. Because, uh, okay, so his farewell show was in December 17th, 1889. Same day via Montezuma and everything inside, all the furnishings, uh, was sold to David D. Dare, vice president of the California National Bank, done deal just like that, nice and clean, same day they left town. Uh, almost 15 years later, in 1913, one of the nephews of the High Brothers, Sam High, was interviewed in an article called Weird House of Ghosts, this, built by spiritualists as home for spooks. Uh, where he was the first person to really call Jesse Shepard's good intentions into question. Uh, it described the house as a, quote, temple of art and occultism, which for years brought ill luck to all who bought it, uh, which was like the big rumor about is that like it ruined your life if you owned it. And the captions under the photograph said things like via Montezuma built as temple of occultism by slick trickster. And it painted the high brothers as simple fruit sellers who got hoodwinked into spending their life savings on the place and dying poor. Here is a quote uh, from Sam High for Jesse to read a little bit chunkier uh, quote for you here. So this one. There it is. I'm so <laughs> thrilled because I was like, no way this dude just straight up up and leaves. Well, he had a life. Well, so here, now okay, it makes well, yeah. sense. Read this. Read this quote here. This is for Jesse. All right. Yes, I remember Jesse Shepard. I remember him well, and a fine fraud he was. If my old uncles had never met Jesse Shepard, they would have died about half a million dollars richer than they did, and I'd have been a bit better off for myself today. Someone's uh, a little bit uh, bitter about what happened. Sad as it was in one way, I can't help laughing to think of Shepard with his secretary and his servants rolling in luxury and the two poor uncles, poor old uncles, who were putting up, uh, putting up for it, driving by in their little wagon, peddling their vegetables from door to door. In 1889, when Shepard saw that the game could not last much longer, he sold the house, or rather traded it, for one in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and then disappeared. I remember some time afterward, Shepard sent a deed to, Cheyenne pro uh, deed to the Cheyenne property to my Uncle John. There, the old man was mighty pleased for a while, particularly when he found out it was worth about $10,000. 
but all his pleasure disappeared when he learned that Shepard had already mortgaged it for twelve thousand. <laughs> yeah, this is a con man racket. It all well, it all checks out. Wait a minute. He, he traded the the deeds to the Montezuma for a place in yeah. Wyoming. Yeah. So I'll get so 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 <laughs> that's what this dude said in the newspaper. But here is the real facts. The actual High Brothers were much more like rich socialites and landowners who happened to like be in the fruit farm owning business. Uh, and nobody knows exactly how much of any of the house Shepard paid for himself. Uh, but even if he was absolutely destitute and like had no money to pay for the house at the time, purely off the success of his writing at the time and the fact that he was like slaying it at shows. Uh, he probably could have if he needed to, but also he did borrow 4K to get back to Europe when he left town. So who the heck knows? A lot of this, a lot of versions of the story still say that the High Brothers really did die poor, but that's not true. They each had sizable amounts of land to their name, got married, settled down, were selling parcels of that land for much higher than they paid right till the end of their lives, and were living quite comfortably off of that, though the villa probably did lose them a little bit of money, uh, because as it turns out, the property in Wyoming, uh, which was called Castle Dare, owned by David D. Dare, did Dare, uh, was actually more of a clean trade deed for deed, but with a mortgage offset 10K in cash, which Shepard like needed at that time. So he was like, yeah, you can have my house in like beautiful San Diego in exchange for your house in Wyoming, but you need to take a mortgage out on it and give me $10,000 as like to sweet, to sweeten the deal so I can pay off some debts right now. And so basically, so, wait, so then he, so then when he gave them, so basically what you're saying is just so I can math this yeah. out. He said, okay, you can have the San Diego house. If you give me this house in Wyoming, Fair trade mortgage. However, $10,000. I need an extra 10. 10K on top of that. Yes. And so the dude mortgaged the house. Yeah. So Shepard did get the so 10K. Shepard did not mortgage the house. The guy no, who the other yeah, guy did to the make guy the, who the money. So, so that was op- so that was different than what this dude said in the paper. And right, also, well, well, I think the guy in the paper might be mistaken because what ends up happening is that then he sends the, the deed to the house to them, but like without having paid any of the mortgage off. Well, but. In, he knew he was the one who put the mortgage on the house. It wasn't the guy who sold the house in Wyoming was the one who put the mortgage on the house in Wyoming. Right, right. In but I'm saying that like he took the 10K and then. Yeah, but it's like, so like here's he the, like flipped a thing like he's well, it's but here's like the other part of the deal. Money laundering. But, he was well, but like, here's the thing. Both of the houses were actually worth the same amount. It was valued at the same. So though the brothers did lose some money in the trade. He did. He was not culpable in any way for any money to the brothers. He gave them this other property for nothing. But the property had a mortgage on it. Is the what property I'm had a mortgage on it, but they still got like fifteen thousand dollars worth of property. Right. I'm just saying that, like the rich cousin, son, whatever, the dude from the article, he's just talking about the negative parts because, like, that's all he's focused on. Because he's like, they screwed me out of my money. Yeah, but he also, Which, you know, but he but, also lied. Like they, he did because they didn't screw him out of money because there was no agreement. Like he just, he just went okay. in and was like, these guys are dicks. And actually, David D. Dare and his partner John W. Collins had quote systematically looted the California National Bank so badly that not only did it literally cause the bank to fail in 1891, 
but his partner Collins shot himself in the face rather than face the bank examiners, which made it very so, likely that Dadadare was probably doing the one, doing the the back dealings. If anyone, so you're was. telling me that everyone involved crazy. I know, I know, it's gonna sound crazy, <laughs> but all these people involved with the scammer dude were also bad people. Yeah, but I refuse but to also, believe such a thing. As I kind of hinted at about the French Catholic priest essay, the alternate theory about what happened was simply that Shepard just kind of like found religion in San Diego, took another name and was like, I'm not going to be this guy who's in this like party parlor anymore. I'm going to, he got fled to Europe. He went, no, he first, he went to Los Angeles briefly uh, in 1888 while he was still living at the house a year before he decided to leave. And he got baptized as a, as a Roman Catholic in Los Angeles at a, like a church. So he kind of was having like a change of faith. Uh, so either way, after that initial sale to dare via Montezuma passes from rich people to rich people. Some of whom do, in fact, experience varying degrees of financial hardship uh, over the time that they own the house, including Dr. George Kalmus, who bought the house in 1900. And then pretty soon after that, six years later, skipped out on his wife and two mortgages, including that house. And then after Dr. Kalmus pieces out, it's sold to Mr. George Sinclair at an auction who rents it out to Mr. and Mrs. George W. Montgomery and Mrs. Montgomery again starts doing seances in the house because she picks up such a vibe off the house. And then it's sold uh, for 33 years. It stays with the president of the Benson lumber company and his wife who then sell it to James and for a Craig uh, who turned it into a rooming house for defense workers uh, in like 1942 when they bought it for world war two, it becomes a rooming house. And then they move another house onto the land in the garden uh, and divide it into two properties and sell them off to, uh, separately at the end of the war. Uh, and Edward Campbell buys the house because he heard that Shepard had a hidden treasure sealed in his basement of like relics from the east. So he purchases the house for like a couple months. He goes in there and looks around, can't find anything, sells it to quote Hanson and McPhail who buy the house. Uh, and then they sell it to a retired engineer and an ex silent movie actress, Carl and Amelia Yeager. And then Carl Yeager dies. And by some accounts, Amelia like loses her grip a little bit. And she's often a fixture out on the street asking people where her dead husband is. And when they don't know, she pulls a gun on him. So it's oh, like God, it's starting to well, get. She's probably like 79 years, old, like, at point, years old. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's like <laughs> silent film star. Yeah. It's like, by, this point, by this point, where are we in the 60s? By this point or 70s? Yeah, 60s. I'm picturing okay. uh, Seinfeld when it's like Kramer. But uh you know, I'm just it's like it's this crazy thing. So the the parties representing Amelia's interests, quote unquote, probably like some lawyers who are like, wow, she's really old. They try to sell the house in 18, uh, 1968 for half its value. Uh, but Amelia's family is like, what? Why? No, they contest the sale. It's voided by the Superior Court uh, and it's left open for the San Diego Historical Society to actually swoop in and grab it, purchase it convert it into a museum, uh, get it designated as a historical site with the city of San Diego and listed on the national register of historic places by 1971 with a full restoration of the building completed by November of the following year. Over the years, more and more efforts have been made, especially after surviving a fire in 1986 to restore via Montezuma closer and closer to its original appearance funded by tours and donations. And in 2007, the friends of via Montezuma goes from being an auxiliary arm of the San Diego historical society to a full blown nonprofit. The museum is still open today. It was closed for a while because of the pandemic and it's 
opened and closed a lot over the years because sometimes it has to be closed. Uh, but the house uh, is uh, designed based off concepts put forth by Jesse Shepard himself and the prestigious Comstock and Trotsky art- architecture firm. All the interior, uh, all the interior decorating was selected by Jesse Shepard himself. Uh, it was built on a slight hill. It's two stories high with a basement containing a kitchen and a little storage space. And on the almost third floor, there is one more room. I say it's a third floor because it's alone in a tower by itself. That was Shepard's study. Uh, I encourage you to look at some pics of this house because it looks weirder than you think. Listeners at home, I bet. Um, inside the house, the walls are polished redwood. The ceilings are silver Lincrusta Walton, which is like an old-timey fancy linoleum. Uh, it has like colorful windows on both its inside and outside walls with panes of art glass set in them, which is kind of like baby's first mosaic. It looks really nice in glass, but it's like a very simple mosaic style Uh, on the first floor is the pink room, uh, a reception room with art glass of grapes and flowers. It was painted fully pink and all everything was pink in the room down to the candles. All the beautiful hardwood floors were covered by Persian and Turkish rugs. Shepard chose every fabric piece of upholstery, every rug in the house, everything arranged it all himself. On the other side of the house was a giant music room. On one side had an octagonal conservatory salon with a tile floor that had exotic plants, four art glass windows depicting the seasons, another giant one of the Greek poet Sappho and two cupids and Milton's Il Pensaroa and L'Allegra. And on the other side of the room is a room with art glass portraits of Beethoven and Mozart and Rubens and Raphael and portraits depicting the Orient and the Occident. And the portrait of the Orient is like a person who is not a real person, who is just an allegory portrait, but it's actually a portrait. The Oriental man, quote unquote, is Shepard himself. It's his face. Uh, and it's because he's obsessed with the mystic, mystical, Eastern, racist, sort of old school Asian fascination that people used to have. Uh, here's a quote about that room for Mathis to read right now, just to give you an idea of how yeah. absolutely insane this room was. there it is reluctantly the eye leaves the marvelous figures constituting the art glass windows and looks about to observe looks about to observe the next surprise art pure and simple is found in everything there are no pictures in the music room save those in the art windows but the hard finished redwood walls are relieved by eight ebony panels inlaid with boss relief figures of ivory and mother of pearl that are hung at intervals In addition to the six heavy Persian rugs that cover the wax floor, an immense polar bear skin is in its center. Opposite Sappho's portrait is the mantle. It is of medieval design and is built built of imported English tiles, heavily glazed in porcelain bricks. The design of the mantle is purely original. It represents the roof of a tower of one of the old German castles like those found along the Rhine and extends halfway up to the ceiling. Small black walnut shingles of odd shapes cover it from top to bottom, save at one place where a portico platform, also of walnut, is placed. This bears a bronze bust of Diana, who seems to look down from the height as if charmed by the beautiful surroundings. Is that not insane? That sounds bananas. Uh, On the south side, along with a fireplace that has a secret passage behind it, 
and an 18-foot bay window framed by life-size art glass portraits of Shakespeare, Goethe, and Corneille was the red room in which Shepard slept and which had reddish Lincrusta Walton walls with matching bed linens and the gold room, which was a library decorated with windows framed with cathedral glass. All his art, books, writing, and memorabilia, and his study, a.k.a. his quote, Sanctum Sanctorum, had windows in all four directions and a revolving chair to help him look out of them with. Pretty grand stuff. But I did not find out about the Via Montezuma because of the museum. I actually looked that up later. Uh, The way Via Montezuma was first introduced to me was when I went down there about seven years ago or so with my family, uh, and we stopped there on a ghost tour bus that we took out of Old Town right next to the Whaley House, and it was the grand finale of the tour because apparently there's plenty of stories of strange occurrences going down on the premises. So there's actually two main ghosts said to be present at the villa. Uh, One is supposed to be Jesse Shepard himself, who's both been seen as a tall, pale figure in a dark gray suit. Uh, and heard playing piano in various parts of the house, especially at night when things are very quiet. I believe that the current bathroom is like near the red room, which was his bedroom. And people say they hear piano music coming out of there a lot. Uh, also, it's not really clear how the rumor got started of a butler hanging himself from the raptors inside the Sanctum Sanctorum. Uh, but because there's nothing like that on historical record. Uh, but a hanging figure has been seen and reported many times to the window of that room and also peering out through many of the various other windows on this copiously windowed building. Seriously, like, look at this building. There are a shitload of windows on this building. Uh also, people on tours have reported weird feelings and strange phenomena in the house. Like uh, like I mentioned how there's an art glass portrait of Peter Paul Rubin. Uh, Peter Paul Rubens, not Paul Rubin. Uh, Paul Rubin, Peter Paul Rubens, who is, uh, he has a beard in the, in the portrait. And the beard apparently over time has aged in the way that a man's natural beard would age into like salt and pepper gray, which is pretty funny. Uh, and one corner of the grounds of the house uh, plants will never grow there, no matter what any gardeners do. And there's also a silver Abyssinian cat with blue eyes. You should Google what those are. Uh, blue eyes and extra toes. Uh, it had the name Psyche. Didn't it not yeah, only survived the fire, but was said to have lived far beyond the normal lifespan of a cat. Uh, and that mm, that's a little suspicious. Yeah, and that is the story of Lil Jesse, a.k.a. Jesse Shepard, a.k.a. Francis Grierson, and that haunted temple of occultism, the Via Montezuma. But don't take my word for it, Uh, because I also grabbed a couple of testimonials from Weird California, which is like, in tribute to Pat, sort of like the bootleg California version of Weird New Jersey. Uh, well, Weird New Jersey was like the first yeah. one, then all the other states started doing their own weird yeah, versions that, yeah, of the, like the Weird, weird New stuff. Jersey yeah. is like a journalistic institution compared to this. Yes. Uh, but I grabbed some quotes from the comment section of the page on oh. uh, Via Montezuma for people to read. They're all like uh, firsthand accounts of paranormal activity. So here's one for Pat to read. At, oh, oh. And these are, are, oh, I think I, I dropped in the wrong chat here. Hold on. This one's for Pat to read. They are they are presented as written. So do your best. Uh, is this on Twitter? Uh, yeah. Not everyone is as erudite as me, as you would say. So the typing okay. is not so hot. <clears throat> this is the, from the comment section of was this weird California? Yeah. Jen of San Diego, California on June 8th, 2014 said, me and my dad went to the Villa Montezuma several years back when the Ghosts and Gravestone tour still took you inside haunted buildings. We were standing in one of the rooms, just three of us, and one of the rocking chairs slowly started rocking back and forth. 
Once we all started looking at it, it abruptly came to a stop, as if the person sitting in it just got up and walked away. Oddest experience I've had. Hmm. Pretty solid. Was very spooky. Like, it was weird. not a shadow figure, though. Yeah. It weirdly mm. has like the vibe of a Yelp review for some reason. Uh, <laughs> here's one. Three out of five. Yeah. Three out of five stars on ultimaterollercoaster.com. Uh, here is. Oh, man. A lot of the viewers went there and apparently like, they tried to leave their own reviews and it did nothing. I know. I saw that. There's like a weird mystery about the reviews on ultimaterollercoaster.com. Uh, here's another quote for Jesse to read. Bam. The one from Joe. Joe Gutierrez of Bellflower, California on the 16th of February, 2009 said in October, 2004, my wife and I went to, let's just scroll down. My wife and I went on Halloween on a Halloween tour of old town, San Diego. We went to the Whaley house and via Montezuma. When we were walking through the music room, I fell behind a bit. And on the way out, I could hear piano music. Two days later, we were walking to our uh, talking to our friends about the trip. I told them about the piano music and they uh, they play on the tour. My wife told me that they don't play music. So we called that day and asked if they did. And they said no. So I got to hear Mr. Shepard play for me. It sound great. It sound great. It sound great. It do sound, it sound great. great. It sounds great, Joe. Uh, and then here's one for Mathis to read. Dropping that in there. Bam. Uh, Kristen of Las Vegas, Nevada on December 14th, 2008. I went on a private tour of the house in June 2004. Upon entering the house, it was beautiful and old, but it didn't really seem haunted. As we were leaving, I got a notion to snap a picture of the tower, and sure enough, when I had the film developed, there was a face looking back at me. Is that creepy or How what? How you get the one that, like, doesn't end in, like, it sound great? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, maybe they had the same shining that Pat had when he needed to go check the hallway. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes you just got to go check. I don't know. Uh, and Sometimes you got to look. Yeah, finally, here's one for me. John of San Diego, California, on April 18th, 2012, said... I live right next to the via. Weird stuff does happen. My window faces the house too, so I prefer to keep it closed. He's the squidward. What? He's the squidward of the neighborhood. Don't worry about him. Uh, also, what? also, just before we started recording, I found out that BuzzFeed Unsolved did an episode on the Via Montezuma, and the best piece of new information that I got was that Jesse Shepard, aka uh, Francis Grierson, actually died in Los Angeles immediately after his final performance in 1927. Like literally <laughs> sitting still at the piano bench with his hands on the keys after hitting the final chord of his final song during the final performance of the evening. Uh, and he actually was living in poverty when he died. Uh, and that's that. Yeah. Thank you for coming, Pat. I really appreciate I, you coming I, to this. I, I don't believe that story. I think that was made up, but okay. Dude, it's 100% <laughs> true. 100% true. What's the sourcing for that last story? Uh, Wikipedia. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, looking at Wikipedia real quick, he died, looks like he died penniless, yep. this guy. Yeah. So he was, so my, my, my encapsulation is he's a grifter. He was the John Edward of his day. Um, it sounds like, except he could and fucking slay on the keyboards. He, it sounds like he <laughs> sweet talked those those brothers for the real estate moguls to get a free fucking Yo. house and then ten grand out of it. And he sounded like he was just he was a sweet talker. That's what it sounds like, and that's how he he made his money and lived. Yeah, and again, ten grand is, is like uh, more like two hundred grand actually, right? Yeah, that's a ton. Yeah. Um, 
and I don't know about his writings. I don't know what this man does. I don't know his business, but uh, he, he had a good thing going. It sounds like he sounds like it sounds like he was half a guy that was famous for being famous. It sounds like he was talented, but like he just knew how to, you know, how do you how do you meet all these people all over the world back then? Like as as no one, no one ever heard of. Like right. so it must have been word of mouth and and friends introducing them to other people. And then that's what it was. Isn't good it, for him. Isn't it insane that you just but, have never heard his name anywhere ever? <laughs> He lived yeah. 20 minutes from me. I, and I didn't. It's six blocks from Petco Park, and I had no idea it was there. It's a national historical monument, basically. You, you going to go check it out? Or, yeah, I'll check it out. Uh, if you want to go check it out, yeah. the advertising. <laughs> They're open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There you go. Uh, admission is uh, adults $15. Uh, there's two tours a day. Sounds like the tours are separate. The tours are $20 at 1 and 4 p.m., Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Worth. What's, what's super interesting about this story that I would love to to see if it's covered in any kind of way is the idea that the wealthy of this time period had so little to do and so much money <laughs> that like they today. elevated a man from nothing to entertain them. And his whole existence was to be a jester for these people. And like, there's a whole other angle of the story. This man like lived to entertain the wealthy and elite. And then like, got out <laughs> and he was like i don't want to do this anymore but then like today people buy like again then went monkey back pictures. to doing it you know like it's all the same game over and over again <laughs> they buy monkey pictures stupid <laughs> fucking like a monkey smoking a fucking cigarette that's i was, oh, I was having a conversation a with a friend the other day we were talking about like we went out to go eat hamburgers and the burger we got was one that had like bacon dates and goat cheese on the burger and we were like you know what yeah, all these fire, things a hundred years ago <laughs> Would have been like the only the wealthy could make this burger happen. And mm -hmm. we were talking about how people would buy and rent pineapples like the wealthy would rent pineapples to have them as a display thing in their home because it was so hard to get a pineapple that people would be like, you must be rich because you and then they would rent the like rotting pineapple to their friends so everyone could show it off because there was so little it's access like to the thousand dollar iPhone app. That's a picture of a diamond. Yeah, and yeah. it's that kind of thing where it's just <laughs> like thing? it was when the yeah. iPhone first dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, it was think just about to it. show how wealthy you were. Yeah, we're talking about the latter half of eighteen hundreds, right? So you you can go to plays if there's a if you have like a theater in your town. There's probably plays. You know, you're, there's going to be some musical performances in, in in some larger towns and cities. Not everywhere. If out in the sticks, you don't have that. You have to entertain yourself with with music, like people playing the harpsichord back then or a piano. Like that's how you entertain. That's why every house you go to every Victorian house, there's like a party room, basically. hundred percent. Mm -hmm. like the, yeah, the they, conservatory. Yeah, or you had a hangout room, basically. Not anymore in houses. You don't only have. You mean, you have, you have like a the like, den. A, like a, a den or record, yeah. but like you needed a space <sighs> where like groups of people hung out regularly because that's all you do to have fun. Yeah. Besides, I guess, read. That's all you yeah, can do. Drugs, regularly. drugs and alcohol. Huge yeah, part of, of the 1800s. Like, I want a that's conversation it. pit in my next house when I buy a house. <laughs> so uh, so a guy like this, there's probably a guy, there's probably like hundreds of people like this guy throughout, you know, history yeah. back then are just like, oh, it's just a guy you hire. He does some some bullshit magic seance stuff. He can play the he can play a the piano he probably told the joker to he entertained with stories and that's what you do like he david was blaine. a gesture yeah he's david blaine yeah but that was your movie for the night you hired this guy you gave him what 20 bucks or whatever yeah. coming out hang out you know and that was it that was your entertainment you probably told all your friends hey i got that guy you heard about this guy i got him come on over we're gonna have a barbecue 
If they had a barbecue back then, we're going to have drinks. We're going to get slosh and watch this guy pretend to talk to your dead aunt. Yeah, that's what you did. It was it was like a little salation. It wasn't like we're going to the opera or we're going to a play. It was you know there was a little bit of like what every human kind of loves that little salacious like this is they kind of know it's a grift a little bit like that. uh, Did you see that movie with uh, Bradley Cooper recently? Uh, Which one's this? Nightmare Alley or whatever it's called. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a remake. Of a, of a noir that Frank liked, and Frank actually liked. He said this remake. It was saw great. The yeah, it really did good. Yeah. I think it's a book too, but yeah, same deal. It's like he's a mentalist or something. It's like the same kind of grift. There's something to be said for that. That like, if 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 this guy was showing up at, at your house, like you you probably like you scored something big. He's like, a pineapple, like your, right? Yeah, your your, your stature, yeah, he's, he's a a rental your pineapple. stature went up. Yeah, because th- think about it today. Like today, when you have like, oh, we're gonna have board game night, or we're gonna have I don't know, bring bring wine and cheese. There's no longer. I'm gonna hire this weirdo guy that can do all these different things. Come on over. We're gonna have a Maybe whole like night. Maybe like at a kid's birthday party is the last place that ever happens. <laughs> exactly, yeah. but like not some guy that is known for like uh, keeping court overseas. No, but some and, people you know, do. Like they're like, "Yo, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing at my fucking house, like for spring break. Like, come on down." I paid that's not that's a, kind of like that's not this guy. Come on, that's yeah. might as well be like if you could, if if in the 1800s you had a way of contacting anyone you wanted, you could get fucking Abraham Lincoln to come fucking do a. Nah, cake. I don't. You could get, you could get honest Abe that. to come do a cake stand at your party for the right I price. Think so <laughs> we do like a 20 minute speech and just get paid. He just does the Gettysburg Address. <laughs> He does a keg stand. Well, he's out. He kills a vampire. Well, you brought up. You, fr- you brought up. The, the, someone brought up the Frederick Frag- uh, Douglas debates or the Douglas the Lincoln debates Douglas with, uh, debates. Yeah, Lincoln Douglas debates. Sorry, it was confusing. Douglas. Yeah, yeah. Um, those were huge. They toured the U.S. Yeah, doing yeah. those because that's like, oh, we're gonna. This is like a two and a half hour debate. This is like, it's like, yo, you want to go see thing all Batman year. in real life? I'm like, this yeah. is the best thing over. Yeah, I mean, God, you want to? You, you got to see a debate. That's your entertainment. This is before you know, like you have like a whole. You know, no, there's no local sports yeah, teams to go watch, watch in every city. Go get murdered uh, in the fucking prison yard. <laughs> like he go, like, yeah, his yeah, neck yeah. get broke. It's crazy what yeah. you do. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that, was that makes sense. I got one musical more. John Edwards, though. I'd be down. Yeah. I'd go watch if he a had musical a guitar, John that'd Edwards. That'd be a different show. I'd still be upset. I'd still be like, y'all are just believing this. If he had like a oh, fucking yeah. effects pedal or guitar, I would be. That'd be another show entirely. I would watch. I wouldn't care exactly. if it was true. God. And if there's any rich bored people out there that want a, a, a group of clowns to call their own, patreon.com slash Illuminati Pond, you can go ahead and sign up. Buy us? Is that what you're saying? Uh, you know what? Yeah, I'm, buy I'm here us. for it. I'll, listen, everything has a price shout tag, outs. all right? I want to quickly this. shout out to Weird California. I want to shout out San Diego Ghosts. I want to shout out Friends of the Via Montezuma Inc. and the biographical sketch and bibliography of Francis Grierson by Harold P. Simonson from 1961. Pat, what what can the people, what where should the people go if they want more Pat? country in the in their lives what should they do uh, there's there's I, I mean do you want the podcast it's it's hashtag see you podcast i'm on you go go through the do the whole spiel i mean i, I mean alex you gave me the spiel via michael before but you can go to <laughs> mm. pat the nes punk on on youtube i got the flea market madness videos i got a couple of game books soon to be a third book what's going on with Amico ulti- now what's happening the amico we are now in the like very slow fadeaway period of the amico you think where he's just called it quits already the the company's dead they're laying off mm. people they can't get a, a new person to keep this grift afloat <laughs> and so it's the slow fadeaway now where they took they took what is up to 17 million dollars people are saying between pre-orders yeah. and investments where there's no accountability people that put in their hundred dollar deposits can't get paid back via the company and <laughs> it's the worst nightmare it's the Coleco chameleon on steroids that we try to prevent people from get, getting it to back then that somehow succeeded 
this time out. And now it's the slow fade away where, um, yeah, it's going to be a slow death. One day it's just going to be like, yeah, we're declared bankruptcy in television entertainment. That's it. Is uh, mm-hmm. Jesse Shepard and the Via Montezuma, the Tommy and in television Amico of Old Town San Diego? Uh, no, be, be, because Shepard had uh, talent and actually produced, produced <laughs> no, content. Oh, if you think about it, Tommy Tallarico superfluously does play guitar very well and write a lot of iconic uh, games. Well, it's true. Well, not, not to turn us to a bash session, but word is on the street is that he air guitars at all the video game, oh, games live performances. Yo, yo, yo. Okay, so. Illuminati hot takes. Here we go. Uh, check out <laughs> check out Aliens are the psychic. completely That's unnecessary podcast with Pat Neen. It's a good fucking show. Go go watch it if you want that exact vibe right there. And also like a weird <laughs> amount of talk about like very bad mayonnaise. Last time I checked in with them, uh, <laughs> what, what, bad mayonnaise? Yeah, what heavy duty? We were at uh, we were at oh uh, it was at the, the bulk uh, mayonnaise from college. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> we were at the bulk. uh we were at the the con at uh, uh what's it called retro SoCal yeah SoCal retro yeah hilarious. Yeah. Uh, very good time, Pat. It was an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, this was not thank as painful you. as I thought it'd be. This has been great. Yeah, please, please. <laughs> yeah, we try to make it less. Please painful. go buy the rest of our tickets in Austin, Texas. I will be filled with barbecue and stories to tell at the bar after the show. I love you guys, Mike. Get get us out of here. Yeah. We're out of here. Off to do a minisode over at patreon.com slash Illuminati pod as we do every single week. We hope to see you guys over there. Until next week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Anyway, me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside, and after a few moments, I hear my wife go, Holy shit, get out here! So I quickly dash back outside, and she's looking up at the sky in awe. I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky.